0: My name is Thomas Vale, or at least it was. I'm a photographer. I had it all. wife, Allison. Friends, a career. And in one moment, it was all taken away. All because of a single photograph. I have it. They want it. And they will do anything to get the negative. I'm keeping this diary as proof that these events are real.
1: I know they are. They have to be. Welcome to Nowhere Men, The Nowhere Man Project. My name is Gabe. I'm Steve. And today we are talking about an important episode. This is episode 18, Hidden Agenda. Uh, Do you have any thoughts you'd like to share right off the bat, Steve? Sure. Hidden Agenda is the name of Tom's photograph. Yes, it is. (laughs) I hope you knew that going in. I hope that wasn't like, oh my goodness, this is... (laughs) That's that's just
2: like Tom's Photograph. They should have named this like the photograph. They did. (laughs) They should have named this episode Tom's Photograph. Yep. Um, The thought that I had that I shared with you while I was, because I was watching it here live. Yep. um, Was it was so weird to be watching flashbacks. Okay. And when I stopped to talk to you about it, I, I, I told you I feel like this show could... Really benefit from a few flashbacks here and there. Yeah. I have now replaced the ghost with flashbacks. Okay. Because flashbacks we know will be true, or at least
1: subjectively <laughs> true.
2: Flashbacks yeah. allow us to introduce concepts in the story that are not happening in yeah. real time. Okay. Um, once Upon a Time does this as the format for the show. Right. Like 75% of that show is flashbacks. Yeah, I know, I'm i not sure what the actual split is, mm-hmm. but definitely at the very least half. Yeah. And they have an a-, a plot line and a B plot line. And basically the A plot line, even if it is the smaller half, I don't know if it's 75, 25, but in mm-hmm. any event, there are all these fairy tale characters who have been banished to a town in Maine, I think. Yeah. And it follows the... Earthside, the main character. I can't call the main characters. Yeah. So that's not gonna. That's gonna be more confusing. <laughs> main with an E. The Storybrooke is the name of the town. in Maine. Yeah. The Storybrooke, the storybook version of them, is the continuity of the show. Yeah. And every episode, you see one of the fairy tale characters pasts. Right. And it always informs something that will happen in the last act of of the episode. Mm-hmm. I would love to see what you could do. With that for for Tom with okay. the, with this with this uh, with this show, I've talked briefly but not a ton mm-hmm. about how it would be nice to see a lazy Tom, okay. who becomes inquisitive and hunts down justice for the sake of you know uh, giving a damn. I was not expecting that to be fulfilled in this episode. Yeah, we see for the first half of this episode basically the debate section of Tom's life. Mm-hmm. Um, where where he refuses the call to adventure to use sure. some some terms
1: because if we hadn't made it clear if you have not watched this episode, uh, I mean you probably should watch it. But uh, but um, this episode is primarily flashback. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is Tom telling the story of how he took the hidden agenda photograph, and it is almost entirely like we are watching Tom do this thing in the past with some brief cuts back to the present.
2: And I did get. Uh, weariness, battle weariness, essentially yeah. term I learned from, uh, that I'm, a, I'm appropriating from your time in the war so from, um, Lord of the Rings. Okay. Uh, they, they had to have stuff to cut away from all of the fight scenes. Yeah. Otherwise they were worried that you would just, there was too much fighting in a row. These, mm-hmm. these battle scenes are huge. Um, I did eventually get to a point in the flashback where I was like really bored and I had to increase the speed. Yeah. Where I was just like, all right, I get it. But it would be nice to have a difference. Sure. That I don't want a flashback episode. Yeah. I want flashbacks interwoven with stuff that's happening to Tom in real real time.
1: To be perfectly honest, like I kind of, for most of this episode, I feel like there's the first five minutes. Then there's the last five minutes. And then there's just all the stuff in the middle. Sure. And uh, I, I feel like the, the stuff in the middle, although, you know, it is important. That is what we're watching. But it um, it's just, it, yeah, it feels too samey. It feels like they could have... A five-minute recap of that
2: could have gotten us through a lot of it. I don't even know that I want to recap, though. I want to be clear. I have no problem with the scenes individually. Mm -hmm. I just got bored with them sequentially. Sure. If you would cut that into five-minute... Gaps into five minute chunks okay. and distributed them across the last eighteen episodes. Mm-hmm. That's what I would have preferred. Okay. Is, oh, I see. you I see know what I'm saying? Yeah. I would prefer to have hit because I like the guy that he's paired with. Yeah, I really enjoy that. Yes, but, I've, I've, I'll have some stuff to say about him. I when I have when I went off weeks ago on the concept of. No, you do not have friends, Tom. At the beginning of the <laughs> yeah of the, this is who I'm talking about. Yeah, this is exactly what I was talking about. Was or at least I think it was. Sure. Was uh, Tom should have other reporter friends who are good at sleuthing. Yeah. So he was a great foil. It was like watching Mash. If you really didn't <laughs> need it to be as good as Mash. Sure. Sure. But it was. It was a great. There were some. There were hijinks. Yeah. There was back and forth. The jokes were not good enough, but they were at least <laughs> sure. like the format for them was there. It, it, you said this, so I, I I don't remember
1: if we alluded to it in the last episode or maybe I thought of this after the episode was over. Oh, okay. Uh, we watched the episode together, like just now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we were both sitting in the room. I've already I'd already taken some of my notes on it, but uh, but like we were we we're watching it together. Just because I, just in case you had some big reactions to this, I wanted to be there for them. Yeah. You didn't, and that's fine. You know, hey, it's it's an episode of nowhere man. I, you had, know one what to expect. Ep-
2: I had one big reaction, but it was to an outfit right. that was, was just I went off the rails on. Right, but, but yeah. uh
1: Anyway, I guess to to start off, uh, this episode aired on February twenty sixth, uh, nineteen ninety six. Yep, it was directed by Michael Levine. Um, he also directed the episode "You Really Got a Hold on Me," which had. Uh,
2: which one is that?
1: That's the titles the, of this it's show. the Rob
2: Roy episode. I Thank believe. you. The one with uh, with <laughs> Dean Rob... Stockwell. Oh. That's interesting. Okay. Thank you for looking that up. Okay. That was the first place where he, they're going over the photograph and you know there's a photograph of of Tom taking the photograph and so forth, right? That's the Rob Roy one. Correct. Correct. That's one of two episodes, essentially that have that have alluded to. Yeah, that, that have alluded
1: to to the actual taking of the photograph. Right, that, so. that,
2: that there was something to be known there.
1: Now they're on the DVD because I did. This is an important episode. I did want to watch the commentary. Yep. There was also like a, a little like five minute interview with him. With. With the director, okay. uh, Michael Levine. Quick little thing. I think either last episode or the episode before, I said that I regretted not having looked on the DVD to see if there was anything special on there. For the last episode. Because was it the was last Lawrence episode?
2: H- because it was, it was okay. right, written by Lawrence Hertzog.
1: Yeah. um, This disc had Hidden Agenda and the previous two episodes. Like the last three episodes were on one disc. And that was all the special features was the, for this episode. Okay. An interview with Michael Levine and commentary with just Michael Levine. Okay. He said something that I thought was really interesting, and that is when he went on came on to direct this episode, mm-hmm. he had not seen any of the other episodes. So he knew the one that he had done. Right. And, and this. then this one. Like he did not know. He I think he said that there was they were in they were in the process of editing the one right before this. Okay. So so we were talking about how the actors probably don't know what else has happened in the show. Yep. And if the director doesn't even know what else has happened in the show, I guarantee you that that is that is the case.
2: Right. Because in the last episode, we had some big discussions about, okay, but if this is the case and that is the case, then this is so dumb and this is this makes no sense. The organization is so bad. Yeah, I was saying, I don't know. Like, Mm -hmm. certainly Lawrence Herzog knows if he's writing the episode, but I don't know if the actor knows Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I said the director. But yeah, if the director doesn't know. Right the continuity of the story this show is written so freaking ambiguously some of the time yeah that it that people are going to default to assuming it's what Gabe? the television. television yeah right that it's that it's that, that, that the triple bluffs that are in here sure are, sure they're not going to like unless he puts in the script and he wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> this is a triple bluff. It's right. very clever. He would be like, "This is going. I'm so clever. They're totally going to. The director's going to be smart enough to see this." And
1: I'll, I have a little bit in my notes. I'm, I'm going to go off on a bit of a, okay. not really a rant, just like I'm, I'm going to try to sort of explain because, like last episode, I had some strong feelings about it, and yep. you felt very differently. Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it later because it, it directly connects to something that happens okay. within the first like ten minutes yep. of the episode. Yep. Um, so we'll get to that. So it was, it was directed by Michael Levine. He hasn't really done much else. In the last 20 years, like I think in in 1999, I think is like when he stopped directing. For sure. Most, but I think he did like People one, one yeah. thing since then. Um, it was not this episode was not written by Lawrence Herzog. I, I would have assumed that this, since this is such an important episode that, that it would be. It wasn't. It was written by David Airman, who wrote uh, Heart of Darkness, which was the other army episode. OK, the guy who wrote that one. OK, um, and he also has he wrote one episode that is still to come, uh, but he's written a
2: lot of TV. Okay. Like over the years, tons of, you know, an episode here, an episode there of all sorts of shows. This one, you're talking about the one where Tom pretends to join the yeah. little... Okay, yeah, well, the same well, writer wrote both of these episodes. That, that makes a lot of sense because it captured perfectly the yeah. tone of that episode when yeah. when spoilers there's a little connection between the two of them sure between those two episodes so that's that's interesting to hear all right mm-hmm. um, and there's a
1: couple notable cast members but i think we'll just get to them as we mention them mm-hmm. most of the people in this i would click on their name on imdb and it's like known for nowhere man sure. it's like that's not a good sign
2: of so the director yeah the distance between the robbery episode and this one is pretty big. Mm -hmm. The distance between the other military one and this episode is not that big. It's a couple months. So I am curious, no real way to know without contacting people. And even then would they remember or care? Mm -hmm. But, uh, I am curious to know, did the writer know he was doing both episodes and was he able to set them up? Yeah. So
1: I don't know. That's a good question. So, um, I guess let's, jump into the episode so okay. it starts out with a typical uh, tom narration i mean i guess you could argue well, most of this episode is tom narration but uh, sure. i did not write down all of the dialogue of the episode yeah till recently i've been alone in my fight to recover my life then from some dark corner an ally appeared he claimed that he was working for the people that i was running from telling me that he wished to destroy the very organization that employs him he opened a doorway for me That doorway was in the form of a small palm-top computer. The files in that computer have taken me to situations that I never dreamed existed, but it still hasn't answered my most pressing questions. Why was my life erased? By whom? And what can I do to get it back? And the battles I've fought with my enemy have not compared to those I've fought with myself. It's been a constant struggle to maintain the hope and faith that I will one day get my life back. As I arrived in Washington, I expected to feel elated and full of anticipation. Instead, I was overcome with fatigue and the belief that the end of every tunnel all I would find is another tunnel. Not that bad of a I would say pretty good Tom narration. I okay. mean it does it is a lot of like, you know, sometimes when I'm I'm <laughs> looking, you know, I'm reliving whatever, I go to the the carnival or whatever. A little a little shades of that. But, you know, I think the belief that at the end of every tunnel, all I'd find is another tunnel that is a very realistic
2: thing especially for someone in his situation i do think at the end of every tunnel i found another tunnel yeah is the show okay i did we talked well, for better and for worse off mic we were to, i was talking to you about the prisoner some more yeah and i was saying i feel like this show is the free range prisoner yeah in but, in
1: sorry if, if i can interrupt yep. in the interview with the with michael levine he said he made some comment about like yeah, Larry, Lawrence Herzog, Larry was told, do the prisoner. And so he did. So I don't, he, that's all he said. He didn't go and do, he didn't elaborate on who told him do the prisoner and by whose metric he did. But
2: yeah, he was very much trying to recreate the prisoner. So uh, the, the, the argument, the frustration you had last episode was why is he letting time walk away? Yeah. And my sense of it was he can't leave. He's not actually leaving the whole country. The whole world really is yeah. the prison. There's nowhere he can go that we can't eventually find them. There's there's no there's no safe haven. Sure, the prisoner has one village that's mm-hmm. hidden behind a couple of mountains and yeah. some water. I showed you the shot of the map. It right, just says right. the mountains, the mountains, the mountains, <laughs> the river, your village. Yeah, um, and I think the idea of at the end of every tunnel is another tunnel mm-hmm. is the show. Okay, it is the sense that there is nowhere to run. Yeah, right? that's what nowhere man means. That that wow that, yeah. So it's okay. a, it's a nice piece of writing. Okay. Um, the rest of it, I have several notes. Okay. Um, first of all, yeah, interesting thing that I thought was, or, or think, fun thing that I found different. Mm-hmm. He's in Washington, DC. Yeah. That's, that's uncommon, mm-hmm. right? He usually goes to cities that look a surprising amount, like Southern California <laughs> sure. or Oregon or <laughs> sure, something sure. this week. Um, this episode was shot in Oregon,
1: actually. What? Not actually Washington D.C. <laughs> is that true? I think so. Yeah, Port- Portland, <laughs> Oregon, I think is uh,
2: is where everything was shot. Fair enough. Um, so uh, it was interesting because when you set a when you set your story in Washington D.C., mm-hmm. that's very, very rarely a neutral part of the story. Sure. There is a Paul Rudd, Reese Witherspoon. Romantic comedy mm-hmm. that happens to take place in Washington D.C. and it is a little bit of the story because yeah. the other person in the love triangle is uh, Owen Wilson. I was like one of the Wilson brothers. Yeah, uh, it's Owen Wilson and he plays for the Nationals, which is the 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 D.C. baseball team. Unless mm-hmm. I've got that wrong, please don't at me. That is the only time I've ever seen Washington D.C. Yeah, not used for there's going to be some political intrigue. Sure, right. Sure. So it was interesting. There was. We've talked before about how where you set your story mm-hmm. is going to impact the stakes, yeah, setting this meeting in washington d c up the stakes for me quite a bit, okay, And it will be in the last shot also, mm-hmm. the juxtaposition of where Tom is at the end and the some some capital capital buildings, some whatever. capital uh uh landmarks in the background, yeah, so that was neat, yeah, that was a neat thing to see. then, when he was talking about the fight with himself to maintain hope, mm-hmm. I was like, really? Are you doing that? That would be some good television. There's, I know a whole bunch of places we could cut to make yeah. room for that, if that's true. And then when he, I just have a note that says, you were never going to feel elation. I was just frustrated. That's, that's a good point.
1: How... In what circumstances (laughs) could Tom feel elation? He found his wife
2: and he wasn't elated. Yeah. He found his wife and he was cautiously optimistic. Right. And not even enough to like give up the negatives so much so that he was still like, well, I'm going to hide these in this weird light circle. Yeah. So uh, the thing is, I'm not saying they should fit the things Tom says Mm -hmm. to the story. (laughs) Okay. I'm saying it would be nice To extend out the emotional range that Tom is allowed to feel. Okay, I think that's important. I do like a lot in this episode seeing pre-erasure Tom. Sure. I talked about that a minute ago, but I love the idea of lazy Tom. Yeah. I love the idea that most of the beginning of this episode is him going, I don't know, I could go home. (laughs) <laughs> i'd like to go home uh, i do need this job i guess yeah he's gotta ve- earn some money
1: very not w- <laughs> there may be a point in the future where i don't have easy access to money and it would be nice <laughs> to not have to worry about that now
2: when we when at the beginning i kept correcting you he's not a photographer he's a photojournalist yep. i think this episode portrays him as a photographer okay like as 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 someone who's like well I suppose i could shoot things with a camera for money yeah where Once his friend spoilers, something happens to his friend, (laughs) Yes, Uh, he does become investigative. He does become someone who actually cares. And it's unclear if he started off caring Mm -hmm. and just has become jaded Yeah, or if he never cared. And this is when he became a real photojournalist. Yeah. Sort of right before it was all taken away from him.
1: I suppose. Yeah. I I do wish if that was an intent, I wish they had really like nailed down on that a bit more.
2: But. You know, I, I was going to say at the end yep. of watching this, this it was gr- it's great to finally see the first episode of Nowhere Man. OK. And, and not like like in a snide way as possible is what yeah. I mean, because yeah. this is exactly what I meant. I, I It took me a while to figure out. Mm-hmm. But the very first thing that should have happened was him reviewing everything he knew about the photograph. Yeah. To try and get clues from it. Yeah. That's a good point. Watching what his recollection is, there's not a ton of clues. Sure. But by all accounts, I'm watching this and I'm like, okay. I mean, I get that we're retconning, that this is what happened, but I got to yeah. tell you something. Unless all of the other things he took photographs of were people impersonating U.S. military to try and take over a foreign government, yeah. he should not have been surprised that his life was graced. Right. He acts so surprised, like, whoa, whoa. I was just... T- I'm just this, taking some photos. This is a what's family this, portrait. What's this about? I just wanted to make some nice Christmas cards. <laughs> and you take away my life. Yeah, it shouldn't be confusing to him. Yeah. And again, they didn't know what they were. You know what the show was going to be sure. at the start. And in in. I am more and more. This episode very invested me in the idea of rewriting the entire show. Yeah, <laughs> even just as an exercise that like exists on the internet so people can find it and then give us jobs later. Sure. <laughs> like, like I was like, mm, even just even just writing a brief for this. Yeah. It, it made me very invested in like this is doable. Mm-hmm. There is some really cool stuff that's established in this episode. Yeah. That you could you could beef up the whole series on, mm-hmm. and I would love to have seen uh i would love to have seen it, 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 elation from tom yeah. and a bunch of other emotions from tom um and i and i think where you would see that is in the flashbacks sure i think i th- cuz you wouldn't just flashback this whole one scene i think there's more than that i think you could show yeah i i i think there's i think you could get more out of this sequence mm-hmm and you could break that up and use it over an entire an, an entire season. Sure. And I think in that you could show a much more jovial uh, 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 Tom. There's uh you finally start watching The Good Place. Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about the the spoilers of the show. Such a good show, but yes, thank you, awesome. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad you liked it. Um, in the later seasons, uh, you, mm-hmm. you started listening to some of the podcasts of it. I think. But yeah,
1: I'm I'm getting, getting close probably, to the end of the first season's right. worth of episodes.
2: So. In later seasons, they will call out, "Wow, we've never seen this this confident of a, of of so and so, or this relaxed of a so and so." And they're like, "Yeah, because this hasn't happened. Because yeah. this is a version of his life where he thinks this is what's going on, and so he's able to react so calmly." Yeah, and it's like, "Yeah, it's really nice to see that side of the character to get them in circumstances where they where they're able to have a different range of emotions." Yeah, because the thing about after every tunnel, there is another tunnel mm-hmm. that is going to compress your emotions. Sure. Um, th- one of the therapies that I have gone through uh, it talks about how in a traumatic experience, before a traumatic experience, we're sort of like a slinky. Okay. We got all this nice wibble wobble and movement and, 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 and fluid ability to change. Mm-hmm. But that after a trauma, it's like when the slinky gets a kink. Okay. And like a section of it kind of gets stuck and coiled together yeah and like the other parts are able to move it ceases to be a slink at that point yeah because it can't do the full motion and so it's absolutely realistic that tom would compress his emotions down into just these survival ones Mm -hmm. but bruce does have a range of acting that he isn't
1: he does in our in like one of the first few episodes of the show I mentioned that there was like a point in this. I mentioned there was a point in this episode. I alluded to this episode. Okay. And I was like, there's a point where Bruce Greenwood is acting his heart out. And I, I still believe that, yes, he does a great job portraying this strong emotion that he does not get to portray in any other episode. Because any other episode, he's just looking 35 degrees with a <laughs> bewildered look on his face. <laughs> his
2: mouth slightly a game. Yes. Yeah. So I did take issue with, with the... Elation. Yeah. Um, it's a reverse. Well, it's not a reverse, but it's another. It, it, I've talked before about the Kylo Ren effect mm-hmm. of if you just start at 10. Yeah. There's nowhere to go. So I would love to see uh, a variety on Tom mm-hmm. because it raises the stakes for when we return to the prison. Sure. Because I think part of what you were talking about last episode was Tom thinks he's free. Yeah. And he's starting to get cocky. And it's it's like he thinks he's gotten to the end of a tunnel. Yeah, and he's and he's starting to act a little different. He's not. He's it's 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 sort of them giving him range, mm-hmm. but not because he should be feeling it. Sure, he's sort of just in spite of everything, uh, you know, feeling some 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 cockiness. Yeah, um, when it feels like what you wanted was for time to be taking this seriously. Okay. Yeah. Right. I suppose uh, so. I'll, I'll get to what. Okay, cool. I, I think I'll get to that in, in a little bit. Okay. So. Um, for Tom to take everything seriously, mm-hmm. he's unable to then take anything seriously. Sure. And so what I did enjoy in the last episode was then was just that it was anything other than him being serious face at 10. Yeah. 10 out of 10 serious face so that there would be the ability for variety. Mm-hmm. That is part of it's just a nice palette cleanser. I think I think it was bungled a little bit because of some of the perhaps, you know, directors come in and they don't know right. what they're supposed to be, you know, portraying for the series, especially if it's such an offbeat series like this. But. But you have to have that variety because then then when we come back Mm -hmm. to Tom being serious, that's that's the emotion of the show. That's so right.
1: Okay. So we start out. Tom is in a bus terminal. And apparently, according to the commentary, this was shot in an active bus terminal in Oregon. Like there were buses coming and going while they were shooting. And as a result, it was real easy to get extras. Basically, (laughs) just anybody who came over, signed a thing. Yeah, sure. Just walk across this shot. That's cool. Um, So he's in his bus terminal and the loudspeaker announces a request for Mr. Thomas Vale to pick up the white courtesy telephone. And there is I like the cinematography in this part because like there's like several shots where it's just a crowd of people. And like one person turns and like stares at Tom as they walk past. And like it's 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 unsettling because we're in the shoes of Tom and we're like, whoa, whoa, who is it that you know, is, is that is that person part of the organization? Is that is this a trap? You know, what is this? Well, so he picks up the phone and it's the voice. It is uh, um, Robin Sachs, the guy who played the character that gave him the um, the pump top several episodes ago. Um, this is the first we've heard from him since that episode. Yes. And when we did that episode, I, I asked you, you know, what are the odds that we never see this guy ever again? But uh, I knew at the time he does come back. I had thought before I had done this watch through I had thought there was more interaction with him. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like oh every couple episodes he's like you know hello tom you should <laughs> blah blah blah
2: blah blah. But sure. no it's really just the two episodes. That might be on the strength of the actor. Oh maybe because um Studio 60 mm-hmm. which is one of the shows that shaped my the beginning of my interest in writing mm-hmm. has 13 minutes of Judd Hirsch and then who who plays uh a an important character who gets the ball rolling for the series, okay, and then he is gone for the entire rest of the series. Sure, for twenty two episodes, and they refer to him. They sort of do the Maris thing where he's in another room. <laughs> yeah, it never feels like he's not there. Yeah, it never feels like he's out of that world. And it's thirteen. I I, I went and looked at the timestamp. Mm-hmm. It's thirteen minutes of the entire series that he's in there, and the whole rest of the series. That's how big of a person. Like yeah, if they if they put a weak actor in that role. It would have been a placeholder person. Um, so same thing with the voice. This is a pretty decent person. Yeah. Uh, playing playing the voice. So because when you're describing, it feels like he's he's contacted more times. Mm-hmm. My brain has already done that. Okay. In just watching this episode, I realized that my brain has retroactively thought that they have had these conversations yeah. because of the strength of the rapport of the character and the two of them interacting. Well, cool. So that's the – that's – that's. So it's not just me is what you're it's saying. It's not just you okay. and I think it probably has to do with this is why casting directors are in really important yeah, because um, by all accounts, we should – have forgotten him yeah (laughs) he
1: he was he he had less screen time than i don't know the the chick that took tommy in after he was he he was injured yeah but you know we still remember him a lot more and a lot more fondly than we remember her yeah um so anyway like i said it's the first time they've actually been able to talk since uh since they got the since tom got the computer he's tom is a bit incredulous at first and he asks like who benefited the most from their previous interaction you know like tom's like i haven't gotten any answers i've been doing all this stuff for you you know what what's the deal and then the voice responds without knowing what the questions are how would you know which i think is son, yeah okay which i think it's a I, pretty good line i was
2: busy agreeing with tom in my head at the time sure because sure. i was like yeah yeah exactly i don't know that things are getting better for tom yeah but certainly he's doing the hit list of this guy's dirty work
1: yeah no no i mean it's true but uh Uh, So Tom's a bit snarky in response and the voice says that he wants to meet Tom face to face, which I think when you're I think you like gave me like a shocked expression at this point. Um, However, we cut to the voices side of the conversation. He's in a dark room and we see there's like medical equipment around him. In particular, there's like there's like uh, one of those things that the optometrist puts in front of your face with like the giant things they can rotate around your eyes so that you can see through.
2: Yeah, you're describing the thing that is loaded up with a bunch of different lenses. Yes. Well, no, no.
1: You say a bunch of different lenses. What you mean is a whole bunch of lenses that are all the same, but they act like they are different so that you have to choose between number three or number four. Number four or number five.
2: This is a commentary on when you had glasses, you felt that they were that.
1: (laughs) Everybody feels that way, Steve. (laughs) There is no difference between those two, but you're still making me choose. (sighs) Can we go back to number two? Maybe number two was better. Sorry, we have a mutual friend, Jeff, that I guarantee you he would be backing me up
2: (laughs) on this right here. I agree that he would be backing (laughs) you up. I don't know that that makes it good. I think, you know, you got to learn to to discern the difference between what is better and what is worse. You need
1: to hush your mouth, Steve. Anyway, so we see he's got
2: a bunch of, like, sketchy looking equipment around him right well so we've seen them do medical stuff before yeah but it was in some really nice facilities sure this is the very we are set up in a dark garage very dark room yeah. yeah this is this is not the above board version of this this is slapdash put together yeah sort of thing
1: um and he's talking with tom about how he's tom's friend tom's like i don't have any friends even though in the intro to every episode he's like i had friends uh, anyway, he I've sets, heard
2: complaints about that recently.
1: Yes, he sets up a a location to meet at. But once Tom hangs up, we see that the voice is surrounded by men in suits. And they tell him to stick to the pre-approved questions, and they mention having made optical modifications to him, as well as some "quote unquote" security measures. They hit a button on a control panel, and he he starts writhing in intense pain. He says to them, "My, how you people hate to lose control," which I think is a pretty mm-hmm. a good through line for for them.
2: It is. It is. I I had that same thought where I was like, that's it. That's true. That's what they hate. That's yeah. it.
1: The voice asks why they don't just kill him now, and they say that while he has Tom's confidence, killing him now would be doing a disservice to the
2: organization. I would like to say about the control thing? Yeah. There is room in this show mm-hmm. to explore the idea that they that the organization makes bad decisions. Because they don't like losing control. Okay. I would like if there were any room for Tom to get an edge on them, it would be him exploiting their frustration when they're losing control Mm -hmm. because a part of them cares about the negatives and a part of them wants to punish Tom. And those two things being at odds with one another, I think is is the only... Like if if there were going to be episodes where Tom actually manages to, you know, not just, like, blow up a underground facility, but, mm-hmm. like, actually do damage to them. Yeah. It would be by him playing off... They are the servant of two masters. Okay. They both have the ego of wanting total control. Mm-hmm. And the rationale... Like, they have great systems. Basically, the world is theirs to lose. Yeah. And so I like the notion of they do still have flaws. Mm-hmm. And it's that they can't stomach I like in the rog- Rob Roy episode yeah, where you know he's taking him down the elevator and he's like they have such a flair for this shit right <laughs> yeah and there is a lot of that in the prisoner there is sure. just some pretty serious whoosh doors and things coming out of the ground and, and so forth in yeah. the prisoner um, so I love the idea of the pageantry of this mm-hmm. and the perfectionism of this this organization being the only place that could possibly bring their downfall Okay. So I love the idea of someone else being at their mercy, Mm -hmm. and he's able to point out, he's able to, with his words, with all he's got left, take a serious jab at them. Okay.
1: So after they say why they don't just kill the voice now, it is revealed that these modifications that they made are that they gave him robotic eyes. Does it bug you? I was so just like, yeah, I suppose so. Okay. Having seen this episode, I just, I'll ask and I'll see if you have an answer to this. All right. What benefit is there to giving him robotic eyes, which I guarantee couldn't have been easy or (laughs) cheap, that would not have been completely, could not have been completely emulated by just giving him like a tiny camera on his lapel.
2: Or no camera and a microphone. Or no an, camera uh, it's, and a microphone. It's basically, a podcast.
1: Because literally, the entire the entire use for this is they just watch
2: Tom telling this story. I will tell you what I think the reason they are there is. Okay. And I am not saying this is logical in world. Okay. Because we do the flashback. Yeah. Somebody mistook in their head the idea that the eyes were going to let them see the flashback. That's what I think happened. Oh, dear. (laughs) That's what I think happened. Because it's done in flashback. Yeah. And someone just got confused about, we don't need the cameras. Like, he's not actually going to be able to, like, do a slideshow presentation of. Yeah. It is. I will say this. Yeah. If. If things had gone as planned, it's Mm -hmm. entirely possible that the plan was, can you show me the negatives and hold them up to my eyes, please? And it does not even hold them up to my eyes. But, like, all you would have to do is literally look down at the negatives and they would see the negatives. But
1: even still, a camera on his lapel, if they have the technology to put a camera inside his eyeballs... They have the technology to make a, a camera that just sits on his lapel that Tom wouldn't notice. Definitely. Because, again, the entire thing they use it for in this episode is just to watch Tom tell a story. Yeah. It's not like while this is going on, oh, they need to be able to, like, read his brain waves or something. Right. No, he could have just been sitting there with a lapel mic. I mean, I, I get that there's also they hit the button and it causes him pain. That could just be, they could say, yeah, we put an implant in your head that will explode if you. Right, that's canon. Yeah. They have these they, chips. Ha- e- exactly. That's canon. So it's so bonkers to me. Look, like we're just we're adding on to the list of technology that the organization has created: lasers.
0: Right? Real uh, damaging real, real lasers. Real lasers.
1: Virtual reality. VR, yeah. Yep. VR. He's got VR. Now they've got robot eyes yep. that do nothing that a camera can't already do. <laughs> yep. It's just like. This could be such a a, a down to earth episode if it weren't for the robot eyes. Okay, it's so bonkers and so unnecessary for the episode to work.
2: For the episode to work, sure, yeah. But again, if we're looking at the prisoner, yeah, they had some they had some pretty outlandish technology. Okay, and so if you were given the instruction to the prisoner, yeah, then I think it's entirely possible that you would put in some sort of flair like this, mm-hmm. especially if. What's the Rob Roy connection? Is that the director or the writer? It's the director. Yeah. So this is literally the director who, who is doing the, they have such flair for this shit.
1: Yeah. Right? That, okay. That's
2: that's. So true. so I will say I like the idea of the organization having basically past a certain point, mm-hmm. the organization has to have this technology okay. or other absolutely superfluous nonsense technology. Yeah. Basically past a certain point, the organization has to have so much ridiculous technology yeah. that we get that we're watching Inspector Gadget. Okay. That until like 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 at this point, it actually for me does mm-hmm. more for like yeah, I suppose so than <laughs> okay. than than damage because by this being here, it normalizes the like oh we got a giant magnet factory that makes UFOs that <laughs> sure Tesla power coil sucks power out of the town. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to decide mm-hmm. if you go on um T V tropes They will talk about how you have to set what the power level is for your world. Sure. That when you start doing speculative fiction, you have to decide where the limits. Yeah. I do feel like this show has gone much further than we expected Mm -hmm. in terms of what the technology was. Here's the thing about The Prisoner. Yeah. We have to watch a thing from The Prisoner. Words can't describe. We will have to describe it to our listeners with words, but I'm going to show you a piece of The Prisoner. Sure.
1: (laughs) Okay, um, Steve just showed me something from The Prisoner. Episode one of The Prisoner. That I don't know how to, I understand why he had to show it to me and not describe it to me, but now we have to describe it
2: to you. I will do my best. Okay. Since you are here, it's worth, you know, if you're at a place where you could pause. uh, yeah. It's about nineteen minutes into the prisoner, which you yeah. can find at Amazon Prime at the time it's recording, episode one. Right, um, but uh, if you are still here, I am assuming you just want to hear us listen, you, uh, describe it, or you yeah. are in a place where you can't pause. And I apologize. The main character, the Tom of their world, is mm-hmm. being shown around. The director, essentially, who's trying to bring him into you know uh, accepting his time in the prison, yeah, is on a megaphone. Trying to explain how everybody else gave into their way of life, gave into their way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, wait, stop. And then <clears throat> I don't know exactly why, but <laughs> a white ball. A balloon. Balloon is a better word. Yeah. Uh sort of comes out of the fountain. I'm not even sure if that's what was happening. I don't know if it's on top of the fountain, and then suddenly it's on top of this building. Like, and like a hundred times back, and like way bigger, way bigger, larger than a human. Yeah. Um, everyone freezes except, except for one guy, except for one guy, yeah, and and in the protagonist and the main and the, character, the main character, and. This guy is in the fountain. Oh, you know what? He was in the fountain. Maybe he was breaking a rule, I'm not sure. But he Maybe. was in the fountain. There were two guys in the fountain though. They were like fishing something out. Were they? So uh, I don't know. So we don't know a lot about right. <laughs> about why this happened. And I'm gonna go on a limb and say they don't revisit this guy in a They don't future... revisit this guy. Well, I mean I haven't seen him future okay, episodes. Okay, okay. But I know that that basically so twenty episodes later they're <laughs> like, Do you remember? On your first day here when that weird <laughs> balloon came out of the fountain and then went back and then came forward. And then smothered the guy who was running away. as yes. not like he even was like clearly running away. He's just sort of running back and forth like yeah. looking for a way to get away from the giant white balloon. Right. And then the white balloon smothers him. Smothers him and then just like, <laughs> like rolls away. <laughs> that is not the last time they show you these white balloons in this episode. Okay. They are basically the guards of this prison. Interesting. When he tries to leave and he gets a helicopter and they remotely control the helicopter and force him to land again. Yeah. Or maybe it's before... Actually, it might be when he's stealing the helicopter, he needs the electronic pass, which is a wristwatch, (laughs) to get past the white balloon and onto the helicopter. I don't remember which, because neither of them make that much sense. So, in this show... Yeah. They established very quickly we're not in a regular story. Right. Some bonkers stuff will happen. And they didn't do that in Nowhere Man, except yeah. for they kind of did. Because here's the thing. Yeah. You know how there's lasers? And like they can sap power from other power sources to power things up? Yeah. And how their robot eyes. <laughs> yes. This makes the amazing Derek less bonkers. I know it's annoying, yeah, but it does. Okay. Like, granted, all the other stuff is technology, right? but it's wackadoodle level of technology. I guess if the Incredible Derek had happened, like, after this episode... Yeah. Okay. Because, like, if you saw it after this episode, it yep. would not be hard to hand-wave away the idea that maybe the Amazing Derek has psychic powers because he was around one of their wackadoodle experiments. If only they had established that. <laughs> right. So... The thing with the robotic eyes is it, it is mm-hmm. it's, it's it is forcing me to just be like, I guess this is a sci-fi show. Yeah. Like, it is a sci-fi thriller. Like, some of the time they just – so either, like you said, without yep. the robot eyes, <laughs> you get a nice down-to-earth um, – the, the stakes are different. They're not yeah. better or worse, but the stakes are different. The stakes for a sci-fi show are, ooh, there's all this stuff, so it's going to be even harder for them – To be taken down, but also that means there are, you know, basically there's a, there's a principle in Dungeons and Dragons, Mm -hmm. which is when you're building the encounters, the monsters that the players are going to fight, don't put anything on the monsters don't give them any magic items to fight the players that you don't then want the players to immediately have. after. Because the players
1: are going to kill those monsters. and Pr- Presumably the players are going to exactly, kill the monsters. They're going to
2: kill the monsters. They're going to steal that staff that does
1: lightning or whatever. And now the players will have that. So you, exactly. ha- you will have to take that into account when you put in
2: further encounters. So the thing about this series is I do think they've added essentially enough quote unquote magic items mm-hmm. that... I feel like it's believable that Tom could take them down if he got all of them together and build a super suit.
1: I'm going to be perfectly honest. I would love if that was how the series ended. Tom had to go back to previous episodes mm-hmm. and he had to, he had to go back to new Phoenix and he had to work with those people. He's like, look, I was at a place they had body modification technology. I was at another place. They had this VR thing, all those others. St- if he had gotten together with that, if he had gotten, gotten stuff from all the different episodes, I would have been 100% on board
2: with that. I would have loved that as a
1: finale for the show.
2: I think you would still need to set up in episode one. Yep. Hey, it's not just thin uh, uh, um, straight jackets. Sure. There's also lasers. But. <laughs> so you're saying that the, the straight
1: jackets were so thin because it was a futuristic. Uh, material that was super strong.
2: <laughs> I wasn't. I was just ragging on him. But that would have been amazing. That would have been great if that's what it was. Yeah. So yeah. If if it were just this is a show with a ton of gadgets. Basically, at this point, we're looking at Alias, the, yeah. the TV show Alias. I okay. don't know how much or if any Alias you've seen. I'm
1: vaguely familiar with. it. I've never actually seen it. Though. I
2: think it's JJ Abrams, but I don't know. But base so. and it's and it's um Jennifer Garner. Yep. And the screenshot I don't have it here, but the screenshot that I took of i think it's on season three of alias that really encapsulated this is the show you're watching mm-hmm. is you have a globe over here yep that you got for christmas it's a wonderful beautiful antique globe yes. um it's pretty it's it's a it's sort of the size of a basketball yeah, about there, that, yeah. there are larger globes mm-hmm. ones that are you know uh probably the size of a hula hoop or, or a little bigger than that in terms of of the circumference sure that you can you know you stand over you it's a large library size one that you're you know it takes two hands to sort of <laughs> scroll through sydney bristow uh which is a big character that's who jennifer garner is mm-hmm. i don't even remember exactly how it pops up out of its holster but kicks a globe into a guy and that's when i knew what show i was watching <laughs> okay <laughs> that's when i know that's not even technology but just yeah. in terms of like okay So this is the barometer for what is normal. This is the
1: grasp on on uh, believability
2: that we are dealing with. So I will definitely say that by there being robotic eyes, it definitely moves this episode into Mm -hmm. a much more sort of sci fi sort of campy um, sort of, you know, like I said, Inspector Gadget kind of we never see the bad guy. It's just the claw. It's just. uh, But they have done that enough. Okay that I now just think of the, that that I now just think of the show as that. I don't know that that's how I would do the show necessarily. Yeah. Um by the way, at this point I now think a ghost would be no problem. <laughs> I want to just a circle back to my my mechanic. I keep trying to yeah, get in this show. Yeah. It is now not a big deal for there to be a ghost in this show. There's psychics there's VR. There's lasers. There's mind there's control. I keep, mind yeah. control. That was just there's last mind episode. mind control. They can reduce 80 years off of people's bodies. Yeah. Not the old ass scientists who are doing this <laughs> shit, mind you. But, you know, yeah. the women they want to sleep with, they can turn back into young women. Sure, sure. So they have all of these technologies. Um, and, and I think at this point, we do need to start. There's, there's a new lens I'm proposing. Mm-hmm. We do need to start looking at. The, the Nowhere Man, the show we thought we were watching, mm-hmm. that happens on Earth. Yeah. And Nowhere Man... Because you used to think there was a supernatural element to this show. Correct. And it's now much more obvious why you would think that. Because basically they have technology at the level of magic. Sure. So it's not hard to imagine that like as a kid, you would just think they're all powerful. Yeah. Which is what you're supposed to think anyways if it's the free-range prisoner. If, if, yeah, if I suppose so. if, if he's never able to escape, you're supposed to feel like... There's no end to the things that they can do. Mm-hmm. So I want to split into basically this show has this annoying level of ambiguity where they did mm-hmm. not push correctly fully in either direction. Sure. I think the inspector gadget version would be fun, where he builds a Voltron suit full of all this <laughs> this gadgets would be fun. Or the Earth version that's just him, that's just an actual thriller. Yeah. And they should have gone one of those two ways. And I don't I don't think we're gaining anything. About that tunnel after tunnel experience mm-hmm. by it being ambigu- ambiguously one of these, sure. B- both of these uh, amalgamated together accidentally. I think pick one of those, and th- I don't think it. I don't think. You, I don't think you'll lose the feeling of that trappedness. Okay. Um, I think it would allow you to do the trappedness more astutely because then you know exactly what the damn rules are. Yeah. Instead of oh, today the rules are this. <laughs> today the rules are that.
1: You made a reference to Inspector Gadget, like with the bad guy and that, you never see his face. In this episode, you never see the organization members' faces. That's right. It's, and they're always silhouetted against a bright thing, so that their faces are always dark. Yeah.
2: And again, uh, they got such a flair for this theatrical shit. You yeah. know, it it, 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 again, I like the actual, like if you go with the Inspector Gadget route, mm-hmm. you get to create a version of the organization, like I said, that could be taken down by their own flair. Sure. And so I like the notion that they're standing there in the dark like they could turn on a goddamn light. There's no reason they need to be in the dark from one another. It's not like they haven't like seen each other's faces, right? That is only for the benefit it's just of Just a conceit for the the audience. Yeah. And and it is described in world as that's kind of how they like it. Yeah. And so as goofy as that is that they that you, that you never see their faces mm-hmm. in world it's not any goofier than the ridiculous light table for their for, yeah. their, for their files. You the got a you got a point there. So it felt it start the show started to develop a consistency. It's not mm-hmm. the consistency I would have picked. Yeah, and I don't feel like they pushed it far enough out to justify how sort of campy it's getting. But they've they've made some choices and they are sticking with it at least. Yeah. So they actually have kind of a nice
1: transition here. So they've got the the voice is sitting in the chair and we see the view through his, we see like a close up on his eyes. They like, you hear like the sound of like a robotic servo or whatever. And then it cuts to his vision of the location that they're meeting at. We see Tom walk in. So Tom walks in, uh, it's the tavern on 5th is where they're supposed to meet. And he shows up, the voice stands up and at some point he introduces himself I didn't catch where it was in this episode, and his, he I remembered him having a name. His name is listed on IMDb. His name is Alexander Hale. Oh, wow. The organization keeps referring to him as Hale whenever they're talking amongst themselves. Okay. I In 2 two watch-throughs, I did not see when it was that he mentions it.
2: So, I don't know. Sorry, I have like 40 notes on this episode. So, like, <laughs> I have a note for when he walks in. Yeah, go for it. He extends his hand mm-hmm. to Tom. Yeah. Tom doesn't shake his Does hand. Does not shake it. And I was, and I said, my next note is rude. And then I said, are you worried that he's got like Max Webber brand lobotomy serum on his hand? Why why wouldn't you shake his hand?
1: Oh, that is so preposterous, Steve. How in the world would he have something so advanced? <laughs> Robot eyes. <laughs> Excuse me.
2: It was just, an, it was like, either you trust this guy or you don't. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. W- what in a handshake could he do to you? Well, so I'll get, I'll talk more in depth on this
1: in a moment, but like. For all Tom knows, this entire restaurant could be filled with organization members. Sure. And I will ask you in a moment, why aren't they? We'll get to that. We'll get to that. (laughs) Sure. But yeah, either you trust him or you don't. If you trust him enough to show up in a location where he said that all of these people could be bad guys,
2: shake his dang hand. And this is what I mean about Tom being at 10 all the time. Yeah. Like if you give Tom a moment where he's human and he shakes the guy's hand, Mm -hmm. then later on you can have him be cold yeah but at this point he's been cold the whole time so there's nowhere to go past this right so um Tom sits down the he voice doesn't have to be elated to see the guy <laughs> sure
1: uh Hale is making pleasantries and Tom is understandably snarky, sure you know um Hale says that Tom has more answers than he thinks. he then asks Tom why the photograph is so important and Tom says, you tell me. Hale says he intends to, but he needs to know what Tom knows about the events surrounding the taking of the photo. Tom says it's old news, you know, like, they should already know about this. They were there. But Hale says he has a penchant for rehashing. And I put in my notes, he has a bit of a tell in that he goes and he sort of, like, scratches by his eye for a moment. And as he does so, there is the sound of that, like, robotic, like, and... (laughs) In, in the commentary, the director commented on it. And he was like, oh, no, that's just the noise that guy makes. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was very funny. That's great. Um, so back in the control room, we see the organization is watching and getting ready. Smash cut to credits. This cold open is actually longer than the one from the previous episode, which I commented on it being really long. I feel like they should have cut when they revealed that he was the organization was in on this. Yeah, sure. But whatever the case. They didn't. This, this is where they we cut to credits. Now, here's where I wanted to talk about this. Ooh. So, at the end of the last episode, like we argued for a long time about what the ending of that episode meant, sure. and I I want to sort of clarify that and and say where I'm going to try to approach this moving on. Mm-hmm. So, I had trouble accepting at the end of the last episode that um, the things that were being put forward because I was and I still am to an extent under the assumption the show was about one thing, whereas. Evidence is beginning to pile up that it's about another. Now, what I mean by that is, if this were... Imagine if this were a FromSoft game, like the people that made Dark Souls and so on. Yes. I
2: would be very ready to admit... For our listeners, yes. th- that's a series of video games that is the most deliberately made video games we've ever seen. Yes. there is n- there Even when there is debris strewn about, mm-hmm. it is there for a story reason. Right. It is very
1: rare that something in those games happens by accident. Or... They've gotten so good at putting enough things that were there deliberately that we're explaining away most of the accidental things as being, oh, well, this could be an indication of this thing, and so on. And it's so a on.
2: series where, when you read into things, yeah, there is stuff there for you to read into, exactly, and that is it is explicitly designed in that way, right, for you to come up with your own theories, yeah, and the, the, it's it's not done lazily. It's not, oh, we don't know. The, the audience will figure out. It's not that. It's- be- and we know that because there are people who have copied them and they do that. They do like, oh,
1: people will, they'll, they'll put some of this together. And it is always obvious yep. and it does not work. Yep. So if this were a FromSoft game, I would definitely be willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that when something happens that I feel like doesn't fit my view of what's happening, I would possibly readjust my view of what I think is happening. You're saying when
2: there's an anomaly... Yeah. You'd assume it's you who doesn't understand the, the anomaly, not them who's made a mistake. Right.
1: But because of the number of gaffes the show has made, my first assumption is, oh, they've made a mistake. So at the end of the last episode, when Tom and an organization member, an organization member we know wants the negatives, when they are four feet from one another and neither Tom nor the organization member seems concerned and they both let each other go in opposite directions, I felt like that was a gaffe. Right. Um, now this episode, I think gives further evidence that that may have been deliberate. I said they could have filled this entire place with organization members and Tom would have walked right in. They could have all pulled out guns on him and had him right now. Sure. So it, it does seem more obvious to me that they are not concerned about getting Tom, you know, getting Tom under control. Tom is not concerned about them catching him. However, I'm going to be keeping an eye on the next, you know, 6 or 7 episodes and see if that continues to be the case. Sure. If it does not, then I'm going to call this and the last episode a gaffe. Sure. But what I if it was deliberate. I we said this after we stopped recording last time. Like we still talked for a few minutes and I wish I would have just said this. If if at the end of the last episode when Tom is walking away, if uh um the politician guy, mm-hmm. if he had said, "Wait a minute, that's the guy. Aren't you going to go and get him?" and then the guy in the car had said, don't worry about him. I wouldn't have had a problem with it, especially if he had said, because of this episode, if he had said something along the lines of, "Don't worry about him. We've got other plans for him." Right then, okay, Cause Cause no that, problems. Because that's me. what I heard implied in the situation. Yeah, but because they didn't say it, I I'm not in a position where I'm going to be offering that up as a solution. Like I'm I'm that's not going to be where my mind's going to go. Right. My mind is going to assume, oh, they whoever made this episode didn't know what. The guy's motivation was so, and we have talked about that
2: too. Yeah, that when you're doing a show mm-hmm. that has secrets and twists sure. and bluffs, you got to really. There needs to be a pretty clear, ironclad, show bible. Yeah, that you can hand to your directors definitely and explain this is what's actually happening. Right, but and I could be wrong about this, and I don't mean to speak ill of the dead. But I have a very strong hunch that Lawrence Herzog was covetous of this information. I imagine he
1: was the show Bible and people had to go to him and ask him a question. And
2: crowbar information out of yeah. him. Um, and I think you would have gotten vague answers. I don't know, but that is the sense that I get. Sure. And we have had this problem, too, mm-hmm. where, where it is so tempting to not give away even to the people who are involved
1: in making the thing. Yeah. You want to keep that secret. Yeah. You want them to be surprised too.
2: Right. And you know cuz if they know it they might tip their hand
1: and blah blah yeah. blah, you know. Anyway, so so I just I just I wanted to to mention that. So like m- before before we had recorded the last episode, I I watched this episode a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago mm-hmm. and I was certain that yeah, this was a gaffe. This was oh, they could have caught Tom sure. and the whole time they didn't. Oh, they're so so stupid, but I'm I'm going to try to approach this with maybe this is intentional. Mm-hmm. See, uh, go in with the assumption that they're not trying to just catch Tom, cuz if they had just caught him, they wouldn't have found out what Tom thinks happened, right? Which clearly is an important thing in this episode.
2: I I don't know how much I said on Mike last time, mm-hmm. but I speculated the idea that we don't even know. I felt like I was giving the writers too much credit. Yeah. But and that that's how I feel. When I,
1: right. when I when I when I say that this might be the case, but I'm I'm trying to get out of that mindset.
2: Maybe in this case they do deserve some credit. So I wasn't sure if I was overreaching or not, mm-hmm. but I speculated what if the stuff with the palm top isn't even real? Okay. I don't remember if this was on on mic or not, but I, I said so. we we know we've seen what looks like Thomas caused all this havoc. Yeah. I made a I made a comment about how it's possible that when he left that brewery for the Tesla underground <laughs> thing where he clearly killed like 40 people in an explosion. Yeah. He might not have. That what, was a right, that was right. a town that had above ground pyrotechnics to make people think there were UFOs. Sure. So it's not at all hard to conceive that when they opened the door for him and brought him down. Mm-hmm. They were prepared to put on a show, yeah. and that I made a I made a comment about how you know he has this little <laughs> thing that's it's not a belt buck but it's whatever it is it's from yeah the, the, the emblem the, from the metal detector. from the metal detector when he throws it on the thing that says no me- no metal no me-, right yeah and that that sets the chain chain reaction off mm-hmm. that if uh, when he left. There was a moment where they all just sort of look at each other and <laughs> just start laughing. They're like, "Do you remember when he threw that that emblem thing?" You went for? I said, "He's not, he's been through too much. Yeah. He's not going to think he can explode an entire facility <laughs> with a with an emblem with a with a metal, little tiny piece of metal." Yeah, and I was wrong. Yep. Right. Never underestimate the stupidity <laughs> of your opponent. So when I do remember you winning. saying that. I don't remember if it was on if I was on. Yeah, I don't remember if it was on mic or not. So. That's what I started suggesting was the idea of it's possible the reason they let him go at the end of the last episode mm-hmm. is because the stuff with the palm top is actually just an elaborate trap. Yeah. Because they have captured Tom before. Sure. And so capturing Tom isn't enough. They need to capture Tom and get him to be forthcoming. Mm-hmm. And so this arc could be an elaborate ruse just to get him to have an ally so that he talks to somebody. This, basically this scenario is the nightmare he's had. Why he hasn't talked to anybody for the rest of the entire show. Yeah. Because anybody he makes friends with could potentially be working for the organization. Right. He finally takes a friend. It turns out, even though at the end, what he says is, Oh, they got to me. I, I am now feeding information to the organization for Mm -hmm. them. It turns out to be that he couldn't trust his friend. Yeah. Yeah. So you know uh, that's that's where i that's why I felt like the the show is about the free range prisoner, sure. there's nowhere he can go to have friends because even for the people that he he it stops him from making friends because one in twenty times, yeah, that's someone working for the organization, and he just can't take that risk anymore, and the one time he actually does gamble on it, oh nope, turns out it was someone who <laughs> who was imme- who had literally robot camera eyes who, who was literally the eyes of the organization, yeah. So, um, that's, I wasn't expecting him to go here, Mm -hmm. but I speculated that's, that's, that's where my instinct was going was just watch. I think, I think this is all, you know, basically at this point it feels like, and I don't know, but it feels like everything that has ever happened to Tom, (laughs) Lawrence Herzog has some plan for where, no, that was the organization. No, that was the organization. No, that was the organization.
1: When we get to this episode, we'll talk about
2: that. All right. When we get to this episode. (laughs) Yes. So
1: um, Tom begins what is going to be the bulk of the episode, and that is him uh, telling Hale the circumstances around leading up to taking the hidden agenda photograph. Starts off by saying he was on assignment in Nicaragua. He was counting the days until he could go home. And at this point, I put down in my notes, we have a crash back. (laughs) Because he's in this restaurant. He's in this, this tavern where he's talking with Hale. And we hear a crash. Tom turns his head. So like he just heard it and something near him crashed. We then in that transition to the past where a waiter in this Nicaraguan hotel or whatever has dropped a, a, you know, a a platter of stuff. And it's a, a great transition. I really, really
2: like it. I forgot that that happened. Yeah. And at the time I thought that's such a dumb choice. Because the organization isn't watching him yet, mm-hmm. so there wouldn't be these freaking crashes. Yeah, spoilers. That crash is very interesting now. Yeah, based on the based on the the end result of this episode. So I'm glad you brought it up because
1: when we get to the end, remind me of the movie Paycheck.
2: Why don't we put a note somewhere? Because do you have post-it notes?
1: Well, I'll no. I'll just make a mention of it now. Okay. So have you seen the movie Paycheck? I don't think so. With Ben Affleck. He is a guy who, um, he works for a company that sort of like reverse engineers technology when like finds out, oh, this other company is coming out with this new computer. he
2: Corporate espionage.
1: Corporate espionage. He finds some way to get in, get a copy of that, and then reverse engineer it so that then the company he has been hired by can make their own version of it around, you know, and release it at the same time or whatever. I don't know if it was established for other companies, but the company he starts working for near the beginning of this movie, they say, we're going to erase your memory. I think they establish this as being a thing that happens. He does the job, gets his memory erased, wakes up. He's got a paycheck for the last you know few weeks uh, or whatever. Okay. He goes to this new job. They say we have this new method of erasing your memory. So there we're we're going to inject you with this thing now. At some point in the next day, your memory you'll you won't remember past that certain point. Okay. So he they injected with this thing. We see a little bit of him starting this job. Cut to the end. He has. Um, he's done with the job Yep. for some reason he has turned down his paycheck, mm. but he gets a thing in the mail from himself that has like 10 seemingly random objects in it. There's like a paper clip, a lottery ticket that didn't win. Uh, you know, this other thing, this other thing, this other thing, clues, clues. And then, so he has to figure out what the heck did I do yeah. that led to, you know, that, that, why did I turn down this check and like why cool, did I give myself nice. all this stuff? I won't say what, there's like a big twist that rev- sure, explains I, all of that. I
2: actually want to watch this. Yeah.
1: It's a good movie. Okay. But just the fact that like, I guess sort of I cryptic spoilers for the end of this episode. Sure. Maybe this crash is him getting injected with the thing that's going to erase his memory. The, he is remembering the crash because that was the start of, whatever is causing him to remember all of this
2: yeah I mean it's I, I don't know what we're going to say is happening here mm-hmm. but yeah the fact that the crash is there I am now curious we know they have some technology we do they they have some technology yeah so uh I like the I, I, I had completely missed forgotten about the fact that there was a crash at, the, at the, the start of at the start of this story yeah
1: because there was a crash at the beginning of the first episode right. Which also happened at a pivotal moment in everything.
2: So it's possible it's just motif. Yeah. But it's also possible that it has something to do with that is an indication that the organization is interfering with the chain of events. Right.
1: One thing I would give the writers or the director or whoever Lawrence Herzog credit for, I'm pretty sure they wanted that to be ambiguous. They wanted you to wonder if the crashes meant something or if it was just a recurring motif.
2: And to this, I would always reference the thing you said about the FromSoft games, mm-hmm. which is that okay, then everything else has to be pristine. Correct. That is the Correct. problem with doing that. Yeah.
1: So again, we will we'll have to be watching for the next few episodes because I, I I've said it before, I do not remember any episode <laughs> after this except for the
2: finale. There's except like a two part finale that you turned down watching the final episode. And I sent
1: myself the DVDs, and I had certain <laughs> episodes marked off. Um, it's DVDs of other shows. Right. That you, so so my, my inclination is that the rest of the episodes are all filler and don't matter until the ending. I'm, I hope I'm wrong. Sure. I yeah. very well could be wrong.
2: Well, even the filler episodes, we go to the, great okay. lengths that's, to try and find ways to go. That's it, true. C- it could be not a filler episode for this reason. Mm-hmm. It could be turned into a not filler re- episode for, with this maneuver. Yeah. And, you know, some, some episodes happen on a farm and they are filler (laughs) episodes. No, I think even for that one, I made arguments for like, well, for these reasons, it could be maybe good. I don't know uh, if you have any notes on this, but I love the idea at Mm -hmm. the start of the story once the thing crashes. Yeah. He says he was going home in 20 minutes. Yeah. This is, I, I do have the, his, his little monologue from here. Okay. The 20 minutes bit mm-hmm. is huge. That's I'm retiring tomorrow. Yeah. That is classic reluctant hero. That is classic. There's a lifeboat for me and I'm not taking it. Yeah. And the 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 more tantalizing that the, the, this gilded lifeboat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I have to do the Call of Adventure. I have, to, I have to go check this thing out. Yeah. What I like about what I would be doing with the flashbacks mm-hmm. is I would be showing a reluctant Tom. Sure. And I'd be contrasting that with a Tom who now knows what he has to do to get down to business. Because reluctancy in the hero is how you, as the audience member, self-insert. Okay. We don't go on adventures sometimes you go out to you know an arcade and enjoy yourself right sure, sometimes sure. sometimes we go to the beef jerky place on the turnpike or whatever yeah that's the extent of our freaking adventures we, yeah, don't, we yeah. don't go look at drug lords right we <laughs> well, don't well
1: i mean maybe you don't <laughs> so... that's a joke anybody who might be listening <laughs> when we were because we were i was recording our reactions to watching this episode and i made a joke about being about making meth because Steve was recommending a, a medicine for me to take because I'm still a little sick. It
2: is, yes, I said, get some Sudafed. <laughs> and so he was like,
1: Gabe, you have to say that was a joke just in case anybody subpoenas our recordings of Nowhere Man.
2: John Mulaney told us. He yes. warned us. Be careful. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, like you said, it's just wrapped up in a monologue. Mm-hmm. I want a spotlight for that 20 minutes so hard. Sure. I want, in the mind of the audience... This ticking, the best I've ever seen this, and I don't know if this is the best I've ever seen this. I didn't love this movie. Um, I think it's called. I think it's literally just called Spy. Okay. And whether or not that's the name of the, the 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 whether whether or not that's the name of the movie, it's Robert Redford. Okay. Is retiring today. From, like, the CIA or something. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys he knows, who is Brad Pitt, is lost in the field somewhere and has been lost for, like, 24 hours or something like that. It's something like that. And he keeps trying to just go through his day and retire. Yeah. And he's got, like, money saved up and he's going to buy a house on the beach or something. And the entire movie, Robert Redford is like, I don't want to get my hands dirty with this. I have my retirement. (laughs) Yeah. And he gets sucked into it anyways, anyways because he's a good person. Sure. Um, so I want to spotlight on that 20 minutes on the level of Robert Redford. You know, they, they try to talk about it like, mm-hmm. oh, I had Allison back at home. Yeah. Right. But he talks about it in these stupid freaking cliches that they use on this show. <laughs> he really does. I had clean sheets and a warm woman. You should do the, yeah. the monologues so that we can okay. reference it specifically.
1: <clears throat> there was a clean bed and a warm woman waiting for me back home. I was 20 minutes away from being picked up and taken to the airport when I got a phone call. The call was from Harrison Barton. Barton was the local expatriate stringer for one of the nation wire services for the last two years who had been holed up in the mountains in Chile. The word on the press corps was that he was more suited for fast women and fast living than he was to acquiring reliable news. Some say he'd been down there too long. Others simply say he was crazy. So, um, yeah, so he talks about this, this contact that he has. Barton calls him. And says that he has a lead for Tom that will get him national coverage. He says it's going to blow the lid off every newspaper and glossy in the States. And uh, Barton, which we'll, we'll meet him in a moment, is played by Dwight Schultz, who I am a huge fan of. He was, uh, he was in several episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. He played Lieutenant Barclay, who had a, a pretty significant character arc, I'd say, over several episodes. And here he is in this. I'm sure I've seen him in something else recently, but I can't remember what it is. But anyway, he's great. He's great in general. He was
2: great in this episode. Huge, huge uh, smile for me when he came on on screen. And he's what I'm, I'm talking about in terms of. Even though I got weary of the episodes of the the, the, the scenes of the two of them together, mm-hmm. if you cut that up and you gave me one per episode of the show, yeah, I think it would sustain. He's a good. He for me, Tom is so serious. Yep. That having a guy who is lackadaisical yeah. is a nice counterbalance to that. Here's here's an idea
1: for a way they could have ended this differently. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure this was not an option, but if we were to you know, remake this show in the future and right. we were to get someone akin to Dwight Schultz on here.
2: yeah, Or Dwight Schultz, if you're listening, we could just have the character be whatever <laughs> oh, age you man, are now. Could
1: you imagine Dwight Schultz? listening to this podcast i can that's why i said it dwight schultz we know that you're a fan again cryptic cryptic spoilers for the end of this episode imagine if at the end of the episode the voice Hale tries to tell tom something but the organization members hit that button he starts choking whatever and he dies tom gets up runs away he goes into hiding and then one day he gets a knock on the door and you know who's on the other side of that door I was about to say Barclay. Harrison Barton. <laughs> Throughout all my notes, every time I went to go type out his name, Harrison, I had to stop myself from typing out Barclay. Yeah, yeah.
2: Because that's just that's, that's but who he is. To go back to your actual point, that would be very cool.
1: Yes. I would love to see him show up again because they have great rapport and also because there is precedent for things happening in this episode not being accurate.
2: I will say the episode where he shows up yeah. is basically a stage play. Okay. Um, you would maybe have to intercut it with something, but basically the next action is grilling him, yeah, for so much information. Mm-hmm. And there would either have to be reasons why they couldn't talk about it immediately. Sure. They'd either have to be like running away from something mm-hmm. um or you'd have to be intercutting so that the the actual timeline of the two of them is not moving forward, sure because, yeah, it would be really cool. To, I, want, I, want, I want to see that. Yeah. I don't expect to see that, obviously. But um, the reason I want to see it is because I want information about the story. Yeah. Um, w- w- just from the monologue. monologue? Yeah. From the, from the, the, the narration. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really liked is a very small little piece of detail. Yeah. Is that he was 20 minutes from being picked up and taken to the airport. Sure. And I like that because that is lack of agency. Okay, it's it's in the era when Tom could rely on other people. Yeah, for the first episode, there was so much of a Tom. You gotta you gotta stop going to people for help, yeah. buddy. But it's consistent with the Tom that we see at the start of the show, who was able to go to people for help. Sure. And so it, it was a nice, wistful moment of the time <laughs> when Tom let people drive him to the airport and yeah. wasn't afraid that they were going to ether him.
1: Sure. Sure.
2: Um. I, I like how they they've got some good banter
1: back and forth like every time Harrison has some sort of uh you know he's he's fast talking and he's got all those little things that he says and Tom's Tom's got a quip for every single one of them I didn't <laughs> write has... down any of the specific ones but you know they've got some pretty pretty good back and forth just use your
2: imagination and they'll be better than what they <laughs> sure <laughs> They're not terrible. It's just that the jokes definitely think they're funnier than they yeah are,
1: Yeah. Uh, Harrison does say, you know, oh, this is going to make the Iran Contra look like a bake-off. Okay. I, I see. I see what you're sure. going for.
2: I don't think it's a joke so much as like, that's just raising the stakes. Because yeah. the stuff that I have on the phone call, do you remember when you left a day early in a million dollars short in Iraq? That's a mm. big deal. That's yeah. a big deal. Because I like the idea of a Tom Vale who actually isn't a good investigative journalist and that he is doing okay. it for the money. Yeah. That he is that he has either never went into this for the right reasons or lost his way yeah. and is just doing it because the thing is he I like the idea that he likes leaving these places. Yeah. That he doesn't stick around long enough to find a story. Mm-hmm. That's not the Tom Vale we know today, Gabe. That's that's true. Tom Vail wouldn't never wait twenty minutes for someone to take him out you know out out of a place. He would never leave a place. Yeah. The organization is everywhere. Everywhere I go. Every town I've got a clue that I'm sniffing out. And I am going to go into every ladies' room I have to <laughs> to find the person who's messing with me. I'm gonna hijack every plane I have hijack to hijack every plane. Yeah. I'm gonna accost every potential governor. I am just gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna fisticuffs my way through the world, yeah, so the idea that there was a time period where he left and yeah. went home. The other thing I want to contrast with this, I don't remember my note is on it, but the idea that Allison is waiting at home, yeah, and that he wasn't properly describing that
1: yeah i I almost wish he had referred to her by name, yeah, because he doesn't in this episode ever, ever, okay. That's dumb. Like a couple times she gets referenced as like,
2: oh, my girl at home or like Harrison says like your girl at home or whatever. I will say I don't have a problem with the idea that he didn't know what he had in Allison. Yeah. I don't I, I don't have a problem with that. That's that's good. He should be taking Allison for granted. Yeah. But what I would then love. Mm-hmm. We have talked before about the ghost not being the ghost, but the ghost being a projection of Allison. Yeah. Don't have to do that if it's flashbacks. Sure. If you go into flashbacks where he's appreciating that like if then Allison could be a character in every single episode. Sure. Especially in a
1: flashback that is later revealed to be inaccurate.
2: Well, certainly for flashbacks relating to yes. Like th- this episode. I this mean, episode. Yeah. But but just the idea, well, th- I mean that's an interesting twist mm-hmm. because I'm saying their life at home. Sure. I'm saying, you know, the stuff Oh, you're the, saying just showing just flashbacks two of, of just the, the, two, of okay, just the okay. two of them. Um, but him then reviewing weird anomalies in those memories would be cool. Yeah. That would be very cool. Definitely. And in fact, here's the thing. That is happening in this character's head in world. There's no way there it, that it isn't.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's He's n-
2: probably thinking like, well, there was that time that she went out
1: for milk or whatever and was gone for like four hours and then said she got her hair done, but... She had the same
2: hairdo as when she left the house, and she didn't have that AK forty-seven when she left, <laughs> you know, or whatever, yes. right? Yeah, <laughs> she didn't have those robe. Her her eyes weren't <laughs> doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we have established that it's very likely that Allison is that they have an Allison look-alike because sure. of their technology. Yeah. So after that episode. What should be happening is he's going through every memory going, was that Allison or not? Because yeah. it doesn't have to be a one-to-one. It doesn't have to – or one-for-one. One. It doesn't have to be that they swapped out Allison and mm-hmm. he's had a fake wife for a bunch of years. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that they've always had Allison on the payroll and she was entirely a plant. It yeah. could easily just be during this time, m- maybe that's why she was acting weird. It wasn't Allison. Yeah. What if the, and so that would be so great to see Tom interacting with with his wife mm-hmm. who who, again – Decent actor who has about 13 minutes of total time on stage yeah, yeah. and is a presence throughout the rest of the show, except when he's boning people. <laughs> sure. But it would be y- y- you then wouldn't like even in the night, even in 95 mm-hmm. wouldn't need the bone in other people yeah. because he does still get he's the bone his wife and the and the suits are happy. Yeah, they could have flashbacks
1: that, you know, are some kind of a, a, a romantic romantic love scene or whatever. Yeah.
2: And, and then they can then there you go. That's, the, that's where the romance is. He doesn't have yeah. to go around meeting all these women. Kirk wasn't married when he was going around meeting all these women. Right. There was just, little, little, just a slight variation on why you can't turn everybody into Captain Kirk. All right. right. So, so Tom is
1: considering just leaving, mm-hmm. just going home, but yeah. he really does need that big
2: story. And that's why I lo- that's why I love about it. Is yeah. that he needs the story, not he wants to uncover. Yeah. The Tom we then see throughout this show, he's not doing for a story? Like it it
1: very much is. He is making the initial, the original sin that is then leading into everything else that has happened. To that's him. what I'm saying. And if they had known that from the beginning, yeah. if there was a point in the first episode where he was like, "I didn't even want to cover that story. Yeah. I just needed to pay my bills."
2: Right that would have been that would have been, been, been amazing. And yes, it's fair and like you and I both know it's very difficult to like prepare that crap out sure you do, ab- while while working on it you go ah yeah. if only. Um but that's that's what I mean about it was nice to see the first episode of Nowhere Man Yeah. because if you know that ahead of time that's absolutely the th- that's that's the thing that he's saying in the first episode of Nowhere Man cuz yeah. he's still kind of whiny. In yeah, the first episode of Nowhere Man a little bit until he's not matchlighty you know, explodey guy yet. Right. He's just sort of like, uh, wh- I don't like that this is happening to me. Flip flap with my hair. I don't like this. <laughs> and so I, mm.
1: yeah, and I, I love the idea that he would complain. There you go. And in this scene, you had a very strong reaction to Tom's wardrobe. This is the scene. With this is the, the scene. He, and yeah. then in the next scene, he's wearing this, it's the hat he's wearing too. He's got this backwards cap on, very much meant to be like a more
2: laid back, you know, with it, hip Tom. I, th- I think there's also an element of he's supposed to be younger because it's two years younger, but somewhere that was that was lost on someone, and they're yeah. like, "All right, let's let's do so make him like sixteen year old <laughs> Tom." And
1: there's a scene later on because the the rest of this episode takes place in like it's fairly cold, and there's actually a reason for that, which I'll I'll get to in a minute. There's a logistical um, reason. There's it's, a, logi- a logistical really reason plot. when they were when they were filming. It was written to take place in Nicaragua, but they were filming in Oregon. In it was like February or something, so they had to they they knew you were gonna be able to see everybody's breath so they instead had it be that he was started off in nicaragua but then went to chile where it was cold enough that you know it would would make sense but there's a scene later on where like he's got like five shirts on like all (laughs) slightly unbuttoned like different numbers of buttons so you can see it's it's kind of ridiculous you will
2: have to cue this up for me when we get to that area or now i don't remember where it happened but uh, at
1: some point i'll try to find it for you So, um, anyway, it's pretty goofy. Yeah. So Tom goes to visit Harry in the Andes where, where he's meeting Harry. It is, he calls it perpetual summer, but they're going to be going to the mountains where it's cold and frozen. Yeah. So this is where we see Dwight Schultz on screen for the first time. Uh, Harry is how Tom calls him Harry, which is a little weird for reasons we'll get to in a moment. Okay. So I have him in my notes as Harry for most of it. Then later on, I start calling him Harrison. So anyway, Harry or Harrison, he's hanging out in a hammock with uh, a prostitute named Yolanda. He's real goofy. He asks Tom if he wants to try some prostitutes or drugs. Uh, Tom declines because he's incorruptible.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Thank you. I have a thing on this, but please go ahead. And so,
1: he he tells Tom that the U.S. Army is engaging in illegal warfare against the local guerrillas. Tom doesn't believe him because if that were happening, somebody would know about it. Also, why are monkeys such a big deal to the Army? <laughs> See, I made this joke while we were watching the episode, and I told you. I'm going to make this joke again. <laughs> and I have
2: forgotten about it. Moved on to other things in my head. Yes. All right. Yeah. Put a lazy character in a hammock. Okay. That's what I learned today. Okay. Um. So there's a philosophical concept that when you're talking about fish, you are implying water okay, or a plate. Yeah. Like, But living fish, you are implying water. Sure. Fish don't live on land. They have an environment that supports them. Yeah. Which is why we use the the metaphor fish out of water for when a character is not in their environment. Sure. We tend to only do that to the hero. Okay. So for all of your bit parts, I love the idea of one of the ways to, you don't want to overdo this so that they become a caricature. Yeah. But I love the idea that you can very easily stick a lazy character in a hammock <laughs> and not a, cu- like a couch would also be lazy. Yeah. Hammock is very, I retired to a sunny place though. <laughs> That's yeah. even more, you know, pushing it forward so like, we get who this guy is immediately. Mm-hmm. He he is swinging in his hammock. Yeah. And then a little bit later, he's like, have a seat. And I look at the chair, it's a rocking chair. <laughs> He doesn't have <laughs> places for you to just sit. You have to have a good time you in his to, house. You have to lounge. You have to lounge. Yeah. You are required to lounge in his environment. And so I really like the idea of when you're making a bit character, mm-hmm. figure out what their natural habitat is and put your hero in their habitat. Have your hero come to them. Yeah. Because it's gonna it's gonna create a slightly more memorable scene and you're gonna telegraph quicker to the brain. This is who you should think of this person as, especially, sure. especially you talked recently about how in the adventure zone, the new season, mm-hmm. Travis McElroy introduced no joke upwards of 20 characters. Yep. If you and I haven't listened to it, but if you put some of the more important ones in environments that make sense with them, then yeah. your brain has got more to stick onto. It's sure, not 20 sure. people in a gymnasium. <laughs> if each of them you meet on their home turf, yeah. then it's easier to go, oh, yeah, the one from blank. Mm-hmm. Even if you can't remember their name, sure you remember what role they fill. So I'm not saying like I was watching this going, oh yeah, hammock guy. I did refer to him as lazy guy for the rest of the episode. I couldn't remember his name. Yeah, but the hammock helped with that. And so I, uh, this is on the level of the thing I learned from the Carrie Ann Moss episode. Sure, which is when you don't know what to give a character for their motivation, choose whatever their definition of a good job is, which for this guy, by the way, still applies Mm -hmm. because he's not doing a good job of being a reporter because he's not a reporter. Yeah. He is a retired reporter. And so he is trying (laughs) to stay as far away from real stories as possible. Sure. His job is to distribute prostitutes Prostitutes and and drugs. drugs. So, and he is like, I'm being a wonderful host. Yeah. That is his motivation. Is he thinks he's doing a really great job. So that for me is when you don't know what to do with the character, put them in their own environment, have them interact with the hero who should be a fish out of water who's be yeah. out of the environment that they're comfortable with and give the characters the desire to do a good job. Make it harder for the hero because he's in an environment that he's not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Make it easy for the person who is who is the bit player. So there's sure. a cool thing there that I was like, oh, this is good. Okay. So Tom doesn't believe it because he doesn't believe that the
1: army's doing this because if it was, somebody would know about it. Harry says, yeah, someone does know about it. My informant. You know, my... my uh, contact? My contact. So... Tom asks who this contact My is. Source. And, he's his, talking his source. about source. Yeah, yeah. he asks who this source
2: is, and then rule number one: you gotta protect your sources in the in being a journalist.
1: And then Tom gets up and leaves. He's like, "All right, fine. Then I'm out of here." And then he says, "Rule number two: eh, sometimes, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't pretty remember much. what it was. Eh, not it was, so much. Yeah, it was like screw number one or <laughs> right. something." So Harry takes Tom to go see Angela, another prostitute, and when he gets there. Apparently he has an unpaid tab with this woman. (laughs) And he's like, oh, I got money this time. I got money. Hey, Tom, I don't have any money. Give us some money. (laughs) And Tom doesn't even ask how much it is. He just like takes out a wad of cash and then looks at it and then just hands over the whole thing. So Angela shows him that she has a tattoo on her chest that looks very much like the eagle tattoo that we saw in The Incredible Derek. And she says, it's just like Harry's which really confused me because so far Tom has been referring to Harrison as Harry. She's talking about a different Harry though. She's talking about some army guy named Harry and apparently she's in love with him. He's been in the, he says he's been in the area killing rebels and apparently he told her that that they, the army has a base nearby. He tried like sneaking her in or something, but they wouldn't allow it. And Tom says this is some pretty thin evidence. And uh, you had a response to that. I do.
2: This is the last time that Tom will. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go on. <laughs> so, True. I said, my, my note is, you know, Tom, tell yourself that before you follow women <laughs> in the bathrooms. Yep. Or take off your belt
1: in a diner <laughs> with, a, <laughs> with, with a psychic kid. Um, but she shows Tom some dog tags that Harry gave her, which she would not be able to have if there was not an army guy in the in the area.
2: I will say. Yep. I did have a gripe with this, okay. which was that, like, no, those aren't hard to fake. It's pieces of metal. <laughs> Especially and the is, in the late 90s. They are fake. Yeah. Like, that's canon. We don't even have to get to the spoiler at the end. Oh, Those dang. are fake. That's a great point. So, it's just, <laughs> nevertheless. Yeah. Nevertheless, there had to be a reason why Correct. Tom goes to the thing. And, like, fine. You know, uh, through the... Through- Watch, it turns out that this Harry just works at a hot topic or something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> He got here completely by mistake. <laughs> yes. it's, it's, it's just he's with his parents. They're they're. Uh, I wasn't even supposed to be staying here today. in the resort a couple miles away. Who? Harry's with. He's staying with his oh. parents at, at the <laughs> local resort, and you know,
2: this guy who from Hot Topic. He's, yeah, yeah. He's God, wearing army it, fatigues,
1: and he's got like fake Come dog tags, and you know, because this was the late '90s when that's you know, some of that is kind of the stuff that you would find at, at Hot Topic. Um. So anyway, uh, they. Tom and Harrison drive through the jungle. Tom snaps a picture of a woman cradling a wounded man on the side of the road. I thought for sure that this was a reference to a photo from the first episode. But while we were watching this, I sort of scrubbed through the first episode and I did not see. I th- I thought like, oh, there's a photo of exactly this in the first episode and that's mm-hmm. what it's supposed to be. But unfortunately not. I mean, there were very similar photos, but none that seemed there was no like prominent photo that this looked to be recreating.
2: That would be cool. But I kept track of every single time he snapped his camera. Yeah, because basically those are the negatives. Sure. Right? True. So, like, I did. I, write, I wrote down, like, you know, okay, this one is this. This one is this. This yeah. one is this. None of the photos are really that incriminating that I can think of. Yeah. But also, who knows? You know, we don't know what's really going on. True. And so, it's possible that, he, that there's something in the photos that would have revealed the quadruple bluff that is going yeah. on. So, I was going to read them all out. But now, knowing the ending, I'm like, no, yeah, it, doesn't, no it, doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It was a little... Um, no extra work for no real reason. Sure. So Harrison talks about how nice it is living down here, where
1: a small amount of money buys you a large amount of happiness. When suddenly their car gets shot at uh, by by men with guns. Harrison talks to the men in Spanish. They drag Tom out of the car at gunpoint, and then they pose with him. Harrison gets out of the ca- out of the car with a Polaroid camera, takes a few photos of them posing with a terrified Tom, and then he gives them the photos, and they they smile. They punch Tom in the shoulder and say, in, in broken English, rock on, dude. And then they leave. And then Harrison reveals that he told them that Tom was Jim Morrison. And Tom's like, Jim Morrison's been dead for 30 or year, 20 years. And and Harrison's like, well, good thing they didn't hear that.
2: <laughs> this sort of shenanigan. Yeah. While I assume something, you know, to that effect was going on. Once I saw the camera, I was like, oh, okay. He's, he's yeah. Oh, it's Jennifer Aniston. Um from friends which is very popular in chile at the time sure uh this sort of anecdote Mm -hmm. would break up a nowhere man episode so well yeah like this sort of little little clip yeah this kind of crap happens once upon a time all the time it's really really good for viewer retention yeah because it's non sequitur it just it's just there for flavor it's just there for like a fake little jump scare um there's there's a couple of those in this episode yeah and so you know um when you string them all together Mm -hmm. it's a little bland as little, as vignettes. Yeah. Would have been great. Sure.
1: So we see the organization watching from like this dark room. They're watching the the view that Hale is getting through his robot eyes. And I do think this is interesting. The video that they're seeing is POV with Tom looking directly into the camera. It would have been very easy to sloppily just use other footage from the scene and... Make it grainy and you know black and white, and then say that that's what camera they're getting. But they established earlier they are getting a camera that is in Hale's eyes. No reason to establish that if you are then going to completely laze out on the rest of the episode. So apparently they did have to every time they'd finish a scene, they would go back and reshoot the same scene with Tom looking directly into the camera, so that they could they would have whatever they needed to pull from. So a little bit little detail that I think is. Important, considering how bonkers the conceit is of that part of the episode. So, um, back in the flashback, Tom finds out this whole time they've been following a map that Angela made, which does not fill him with confidence because it's just like written on a napkin or something. They stop the car. He goes to relieve himself just as a couple of army Humvees pass with a bunch of men on them. So, back in the restaurant, the organization is watching the interaction. They are asking themselves if they think that Tom trusts Hale enough to tell him the truth. And they make a comment about like, well, there's only one truth as far as he's concerned or something like that. Basically, let's
2: hope there's one truth. There you go. There you go.
1: I I had to rewind it because I I misheard this. And I thought it was that they were wondering if Hale trusted Tom. And I don't know. It was really confusing. So I had to go back and make sure I heard
2: it right, which I had not. The idea of there being one truth, though. Yeah. Is a nice piece of congruence with the organization. Okay, that it's like like that it's it's beyond needing control. Yeah, it is. In order to create villains that are made out of humans and not villains that are made out of cartoon characters. Yeah, you need villains with human needs. Okay, and this show doesn't necessarily need that much of of fleshing out of its villains. But if you were going to do it, if you're going to have the characters be consistently tom is up against this one tom mm-hmm. is up against that one or whatever yeah. instead of just they're all shadowy and who knows who like like stormtroopers or no like sand people they walk in single file to hide their numbers we're not sure how many men with damn cigars in <laughs> shady places we've seen right um which is cool that's a nice thing that's, that's neat to know we yeah. don't know if we're seeing people you know over and over again or different ones so if you want human villains mm-hmm. the need for there being one truth is a sort of insecurity position Okay, that you are not—you never got comfortable with the idea of life being messy. Okay, that's a perfectionist. That's that's an obsessive person yeah. who needs life to conform to a specific way, and that would actually, for me, mm-hmm. justify the technology more. Okay, if it's at the if if there's a, actually a single person at the top. So, if like if you're saying. Someone could
1: rationalize putting all the money and work into creating robotic eyes if it
2: means they will have 100% control over the interaction. Right. Basically, they're saying, I now control life. Okay. That basically no one else can contradict what I think life is. Yeah. Because we're living in an age – we're recording this in 2020. Yeah. We're living in an age – where more than ever before, even people who used to be friends are disagreeing about stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's very uncomfortable. But it's not uncomfortable because discourse is bad. And it's not uncomfortable because conflict means the end of friendship. Yeah, It's just that basically it used to take a crap ton of resources and really weird vocational choices for yourself to even be in a lifetime where, you, where basically every single week you are fighting for your life about some topic. Yeah. You had to be a Roman senator pretty much to have this life. And and now we are all damn Roman senators all the time about even stupid stuff like I hope you don't mind me using this as an example. Sure. The Tarrasque in Dungeons and Dragons. The tarrasque
1: is awful. Go <laughs> on, Steve.
2: <laughs> so it's it's very uncomfortable when people don't agree. Yeah. And when you've got Someone who has an obsessive need for everyone to agree with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I totally believe that as a villain for this for this organization. Okay, I don't think that's necessarily what they're showing us, except yeah. for all of the damn gadgets. So again, if I went with the inspector gadget route, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, that's claw right that's there. Absolutely, what I would do is it's yeah. it's it's, and it would be somebody who, if you show up mm-hmm. and you push something on their desk five degrees. You have caused them more pain in that moment than they've had for the week. Yeah. Um, that's that's the kind of person I'm picturing. So anyways, just just this idea of let's hope there's one truth. And the thing is there would be people lower in the ranks mm-hmm. who aren't that obsessive but who realize it's easier to control people if they all agree with one party line. Sure. Um because, because basically the the way you have to do tyranny in a, a democracy is by removing nuance. Mm-hmm. As long as we can all understand one another and have different ideas, we can keep discussing stuff and we all, you know, we won't turn on one another. Um, it's easier to make people turn on one another when you simplify them. Okay. That's when we start to turn on one another's and we go, that one is a part of that group and that group did this. And it's like, no, that's, I mean, everybody's as complex as you calm down. Yeah. But if you can get people to forget that, Mm -hmm. that's what makes them easier to control. And they don't explore any of that in this show or anything. I'm just saying like they have set themselves up to be able to have all of these conversations that it would be neat to see them do if they, if they went with a more, um, what if we talked about some stuff? And not yeah. just blue shit up with lasers and magnets.
1: Yeah. Right. So, um, back in the flashback, uh, the army men that they, they are watching are, they, they stop and they start like moving some stuff from one truck to another, like bags of stuff. Yeah. And um, Harrison sacks, sacks of things. Harrison is really wishing he were high or drunk right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harrison is assuming the army is smuggling cocaine. Tom's surprised, but Harrison acts like this sort of corruption happens all the time. And if they're doing something illegal, they got to fund it somehow. They don't take MasterCard in the bush, says Harrison. Uh, he tries to take some pills. Tom grabs them and throws them away, saying that he needs uh, Harrison's wits sharp. While the army men pack up, their leader, the sergeant, has a cigar.
2: Mm-hmm. Tom even takes a photograph of it. It's one of the photographs.
1: He does. Now, I'm going to ask a question. Okay. Would it have killed them to give this guy a uh, birthmark? Now, I, I know that he does not look like... Hubbard from the previous episode. Sure. But from, I'm pretty sure when the moment happens and Tom takes the photo that they're very much trying to recreate the hidden agenda photo. Yeah. They, that's the guy that is in the place that in the previous episode, they tried to establish Tom was thinking was Hubbard. Um, I'm going to say it is probably a matter of the director of this episode didn't know yeah. because it probably wasn't in the script. Whatever the case I think that would have made that would have made me feel a lot better because they have the the tattoo. There's a couple points where you see the, a very there's like cameras directly on this guy's arm, and you see someone has the tattoo. That's awesome. That I they all, that. they That's already great. showed the woman has it on her chest. Right. right. They are a couple. There are a couple clean shots of the tattoo. Nice. So they are bringing that back from the Incredible Derek. Okay. But I think because this is so close to the previous episode, and Maybe this means the previous episode went through some extensive rewrites at the last minute.
2: I would believe that. Sure. I don't know that that's it so much as I think the production, this would have been because they're back to back. Yeah. They would have already been shooting some of this stuff. Sure. They had to go to Oregon.
1: Well, I mean, what I'm trying to say is I don't know if the, because of how small of a deal the neck birthmark was, like the reveal, quote unquote, that he was in the photograph is like a very small part of the episode. Okay. I'm thinking that might have been late in the episode they added or changed the significance of that. Okay. So maybe because th- if they if this was like if that was meant to be this is the episode where Tom finds out who that guy was in the photograph, if that was the original conceit of that episode, they probably would have known that going into this one, but they didn't. So I'm I'm wondering if maybe that was a, a late change. Okay. Anyway, I'm speculating.
2: No, that's a that's a that's a very realistic possibility.
1: So Tom remarks that the army men are going somewhere that isn't on Angela's map. They're not going to the army base that she knows about. The army men stop at a, what looks like a dead end, and one of the soldiers moves a fallen tree out of the way,
2: revealing a hidden path. I would uh, like to gripe here just real quick. Okay. When you, they remove a small branch.
1: (laughs) Yes. And it is just the fact that where the, just the angle we are seeing makes it look like there's no path there. If you were any other angle, you'd see, oh, clearly there
2: is a road here. And certainly in the next shots, they are off-road. Yeah. It is true that there, the road doesn't continue for much longer. Okay, sure. great. But yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it's it's a little goofy. It's a very long, thin tree. Yeah. And it was a nice bit
1: of, you know, some blocking. I, I think from the commentary, I think the director said that that was like a happy accident. They were like, well, we need some way to make it look like they're going down a hidden path. Oh, there's a fallen tree over there. Bring it over. Bring it over.
2: Happy accident.
1: Okay, hey, yeah. So Tom and Harrison follow on foot, and now Harrison has all the quips. I didn't write them down, but you know he's, he's now he's quipping it. Tom. <laughs> okay. Um, they come across an army encampment, and Tom snaps some photos of them unloading the bags from the Humvees. And Tom suspects that the the there, there's some sort of a manufacturing operation going on here. He's suspecting that they are manufacturing cocaine. It's not just they're transporting it; they're bringing coca leaves or whatever and then making cocaine here um and he says that if if that is the case is going to turn out to be one hell of a story a dude however tom realizes harrison's gone he's talking to nobody and a dude sneaks up with a gun and starts shouting something in spanish but then harrison pops up and knocks him out um at no point does that guy wake up and then become a plot point just there's just one of the guys is now missing i guess well we'll get to that in a second so um they sneak over to one of the big tents and they look inside and see that they aren't manufacturing drugs; they're manufacturing army uniforms. So, like, they're they're making disguises to pose as U.S. Army. So again, the dog tags would have been
2: fake. They would have been fake. I mean, they they could have been real dog tags. I'm just guess, saying they weren't. They weren't actually. It wasn't a U.S. Army person yeah. who gave them. It wasn't. It wasn't. And yeah. Exactly. It wasn't an enlisted soldier. It was one of the people from this fake military comp- corporation that they yeah. have. That's just sort of, you know, yeah. So um, I will say this. Yeah. Before this episode, I was just assuming they didn't fly uh, under, you know, the the guise of being actual U.S. troops. Mm-hmm. And it was, int- and maybe they don't all the time. But it was, it was something that had never occurred to me that they can just pretend to be U.S. military.
1: Yeah, because as we saw in like the, you know, the paramilitary or the the Heart of Darkness episode. Like, they aren't U.S. military, but yeah, they could pose as it very
2: easily. Because yeah, you need costumes and yeah. then stand correctly, and then don't let anyone from the military actually see you do it. Right. And no one can. And the, yeah, no one's no one's the wiser. Yeah. So there
1: were a bunch of men also on the Humvees that are now just kind of milling about, and uh, the army sergeant passes out some of the uniforms to to the men, tells them to wear them proudly. He promises that they're
2: going to see some action. I will say, yeah. Until I saw the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. It, the shot of them sewing the uniforms together mm-hmm. is is the closest thing to that's the negative they're looking for. That's okay. their worst nightmare. Is yeah. that he has because basically the idea is supposed to be the photo. They don't have a problem with the fact that he did the photograph. Yeah, they want that photograph out there. As far as I can tell, okay. hidden agenda the photograph is intentional. To the best of my knowledge, your face says you've not. Well, heard this. no, I
1: mean, th- no, that makes sense because like they are posing as U.S. Army. He just got evidence that the U.S. Army is doing this thing.
2: It's the narrative that goes with the Hidden Agenda photo that would be damaging. That, that would say, actually, it's not the U.S. Army. Yeah. It's somebody pretend that it would exonerate the U.S. Army. Sure. And so who knows what they need for that, for all of their machination? But clearly we've found enough of the organization that like it's not hard to imagine them needing this photograph to exist. You know, this makes me wonder something.
1: Back in the Incredible Derek episode. Okay. The whole point of that episode was that tom was tracking down the humvee that's in the picture
2: Hmm, sure
1: and he tracks it down to an army base which which to be fair then turns out to be part of the organization or something yeah yeah i think if they had known where they were going Mm -hmm. they probably wouldn't have had it be tracked to an an army base it would have been like oh yeah the army sold this like 20 years ago somebody else bought it but they didn't know where they were going and if they did i don't know if they would have wanted to give that detail out. I'm happy to
2: head canon. Yeah, that that is the case. It's just no one in town knows that. Sure, and they and that even the people who work there, certainly the guys who work there, they don't know that they're not part of the army. True. It's True. only the people at the top who know that who, who know what's going on. Yeah. And so you know when they were killing, because isn't that the episode where they come and they just Kill murder the every, entire base just because Tom was in the room with them? Yeah. You know? Um, which you know. <clears throat> some of the time I just don't canonize that scene because that's how I go through with my sanity is that that there's so many other people that they would have had to have. Here's the thing. Yeah. It's possible that the amazing Derek and his dad and all of the people who who were left in the wake of Tom Vale. Yeah. Aren't being tortured. Okay. Um, They killed their own guys. Yeah. They weren't killing military guys. They weren't killing civilians. They were killing people in their employ. They were basically removing people from their ledger. Okay. So it's possible that they they are more just like ugh, get the these guys already don't exist. Yeah. There's nobody looking for them. We that that happened when they signed up.
1: Yeah. I mean there's like the little strip mall of buildings that are all completely empty at the end of that, but I mean they might have just been relocated and reconditioned or something to At the end of that episode, it ends with at the beginning, Tom shows up at, like, a general store and, like, a diner or something. And yeah. the guy there, like, gives him a room for the night. Yeah. And then at the end of the episode, they go back there with Derek and his dad. Yeah. And it's all empty. There's, like, nobody there. There's, like, half-eaten food on the table. Oh, is that true? Yeah. All right. I don't know. I don't
2: know. I don't know. That's not a, that's not a thing that I remember that, like, stuck in my head from that thing. Yeah,
1: that was there were, We had
2: much bigger fish to fry Absolutely. in that episode. Um, all right. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I don't so, know. It's just It just does give give me something to recolor that episode with. Sure. Which is nice, because that episode needed a touch-up. Yeah. So, so um, the sergeant
1: passed out the uniforms. He promises the men they'll see some action, and then he says, Gentlemen, welcome to the U.S. Army. Cut to commercial. Tom explains to Hale that someone is working hard to make it look like the U.S. Army was
2: operating in Chile. Back in the flashback. the first thing that he should have said in episode one, which I know that he didn't yeah. know that yet, but that is... That is mm-hmm yeah I if know. Tom gets it then and yeah. isn't like confused and bamboo, it would be one thing mm-hmm. if during this episode yeah, I wasn't mad about this before I'm mad about it now okay it would be one thing if Tom during this episode didn't really understand what he was looking at here's here's how you make this work okay tom the 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 first part so far all of
1: this is is he it is just there's army men. And he sees them, maybe he like, when he sees the women sewing, he, they're sewing, I don't know, something else, some, some, uh, something else that is completely like not a, not a big deal. Okay. And then he's describing it to Hale. Just local shirts and. Sure. Sure. Like, like they're like undershirts and stuff. Sure. You know, they're sheets or whatever.
2: Oh, okay. Something that they would be using. Something
1: they would be using. But not something incriminating. Right. Okay. Tom is describing this and then Hale says, is that what they were making? And then Tom he goes and he's like blinks, maybe like a moment where like he he like feels lightheaded for a moment, then he's like, No, 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 no. They were making army uniforms. And then it replays a scene that already showed, except instead of it was it was army men before, and now it's just dudes in normal clothes, and then they get handed. And so like there's a little bit of Tom thought this was happening, but then Hale sort of gets him to rethink it, and then you realize that his memory might not, then it's not a complete surprise at the end of the episode yeah. when it turns yeah. out his, his memory is not reliable. It's been happening throughout the episode. And that, that would explain why Tom wasn't. Yeah. In the first episode, like, oh yeah, these guys were posing as the armies, army guys, right. you know, right. no, it's this whole time. Like that's what he thought they were. And now something has been unlocked and he's like starting to think it over. And, you know, and then maybe at the end of the episode, he's like, it, it's like zoom in on his face. And he's like,
2: I need to look over those negatives. (laughs) Cut to credits. Sure. And I love the idea that you don't need to have the negatives in episode one. It's just that it would be the start of episode two. It very much would. So anyway. um, Actually, here's the thing. You could actually have him not look at the negatives until maybe the end of episode two if there was a faster reason to get him to Bellamy's place. Okay, But it would have to be pretty early on. But But if you're going to delay... Because you know you haven't got it figured out yet, and you need a stall, yeah, it does you do you should have much oh shit, we've got to do this right now, yeah, hooks at the end, so you just watched the good place, mm mm-hmm. a lot of the, every single episode basically opens up a new wound yeah. at the at the end, like at the end of each episode, even when things seem safe, they're like, oh by the way, this, yeah, if you did that in the show, and again, we weren't doing sequential t v like that back then, it was all episodic mm hmm but if you were doing sequential TV, you you could push the negatives out for a while, yeah. so long as there was an arc that felt like it was one day. Sure. Even if it's a long day, and it's not actually a day, it's like he's been up for 36 hours or something. Yeah. As long as there is one arc where he doesn't have time to stop yeah, or go get the negatives or yeah. whatever, you could push it off for a little while, just because it would be nice for them to have some breathing room if they like get a green light and they have to start shooting right away. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it would have to be pretty quick.
1: Yeah. Um, So, back in the flashback, Tom and Harrison steal some uniforms and pose as, I guess, two guys that are absent? Now, I I didn't think of this at the time, but Harrison did knock out one guy just a moment ago. Oh, that's right. But that's one guy. There are two of them. (laughs) If there had been two guys that snuck up on Tom with guns yeah. and then Harrison, you know, picks up, I don't know, two rocks and knocks out both of them or right, something. Right, Awesome. Problem solved. But they just are standing in line with a bunch of other guys and the guy just reads down the list and, oh, there happen
2: to be two names that aren't here. And then they're like, oh, yeah, that's me. Here's the thing, too. Yeah. It's not the – I don't think it's the guy that he that he knocked out because why would that guy have been – Yeah. Like, yeah, you know that—that's so, exactly. Yeah. but
1: that's that's the closest explanation I could right, come to right. because just a moment ago I was like, oh, there was just some dude that got knocked out.
2: We we kind you know. of ass- we kind of have to just. Uh, I stopped and I was yeah. like, did I miss a scene where they knocked these two guys out and replaced their identity? And you, you were like, no, maybe
1: that maybe there was a deleted scene that didn't make its way onto the DVD,
2: or just you know. I have a couple of times here where it feels like things were going to get shot. Yeah. And this was an exp- I I have a I have the sneaking suspicion mm-hmm. this was a more expensive episode than than anticipated. Possibly. Even, it's all shot on location, you know. And there's there's a ton of extras. Yeah. All in costume work. They had to get all these freaking tents. Mhm. Um so I have I have a hunch some things were just missed. Yeah. And that's what I very if it's just so obviously should be there. So and if they, if there
1: was a shot of uh, Hale saying like, "Oh, isn't that convenient that there were two people missing on the list?" and Tom was like, "Yeah, I, yeah, I guess it was convenient."
2: Oh, in terms of this memory,
1: yeah, just again another little bit that maybe was was a bit, you know maybe maybe Tom was remembering it wrong. I don't know. Okay. I do like that. So, That's but an interesting but, point. but this show abhors giving away any sort of twist before the latest possible moment. Yeah. So anyway, they, they get on the Humvee with everybody else, and the sergeant talks to Harrison and comments on his age once and never speaks of it again. Yeah. He's like, you know, you look a little old, and then Harrison's like, I was a lot younger when I got here. And then he's like, ha ha, yep. Oh, you'll you'll be feeling that after we're done. And no more mention ever. Because again, these are two 40 year old men along with all these like 18 year olds.
2: Alright. One, one of them I think even had a mullet or something. Like, <laughs> Probably. I just referred to them as the dudes. Yeah. Because I didn't even know because they were just, they were not military
1: until yeah. they got there. So uh, they, they're on a Humvee going somewhere else and when they get there I'm pretty sure they are at the base that Angela knew about. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, she had given them the map and I guess they had stopped at this other place to get their uniforms and that's what was not
2: on the map. Um, So Oh, the bags even could have been uniforms, too. I, I think so. I, I th- think, I, I think I, that's I what they were. I, had, yeah. I until you. Okay, yeah. I didn't get that.
1: Um, there may have also been cocaine involved in all of this. Like, that does still, nothing contradicted. Sure. That they do need funding, I guess. Well,
2: and I like the idea that cocaine is local currency. That was a yeah. nice detail.
1: Yeah. So, um, Harrison recognizes that they aren't actually part of the U.S. Army. They've got a tent with a big satellite dish outside. I will
2: say, if we have any fans in, in the country of Chile. Yeah. Sorry. I don't, that was a little <laughs> flippant of me. I don't, uh, well, I'm not saying, you know, Sure, that that everyone, you know, uses cocaine as dollar bills. In, that, right. That right. no. no a, just, that just felt in, a little American centric as I said it.
1: I guess. But there there is mention of um, the Americans are, you know, the. Right, these, they're happy these to army get men, the cocaine out, actually. Yeah. The, like the, these army men, men are killing our families and taking our farms and taking the coca plants. And so. we would like it to get out, but not like this. Yeah. Not like this. Right. Right. So, <laughs> Is that a major was a major okay okay yes, it was. <laughs> it was. um so harrison figures they're keeping some important intel in that uh that uh the tent with the all the the satellite dishes
2: oh god sorry yeah sorry what this is not related to anything you're saying i just okay. had a note about when he went to take the photos of the seamstresses yeah i just have an all caps lies <laughs> That is not a digital camera. That would that, that there would be nothing on the film. It's so dark in there. It would just be a black frame. Yeah,
1: there's. N- I was it's, just. It's it's hard to take photos it's in hard. in anything but very
2: high light inv- uh, environments. I failed photography. The yeah. one class I have failed because two times in a row I got out of school. Um. after 9 o'clock all the time during yeah. the year that I had photography because our video program at school was sort of basically college. Sure. At night, unless you have a 1,000-watt bulb, and we mm-hmm. didn't have LED shit back then. Right. Um, Unless you had a 1,000-watt bulb, you couldn't take photos of anything. Yeah. No photograph, without a flash, which you can't use a flash and take, like, artistic photography for a sure, photography class. Sure. You can take shitty family photographs. Yeah. That's it. So I didn't use a flash. And I'm like looking at all this stuff. I did these great compositions. Two different times in a row. Yeah. I went to expose the film. Black, 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 black. Just just nothing. Just not dark, 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 dark. sorry to hear that. Yeah. And, and, and it was so demoralizing that I was like, listen, I don't get out of school until nine, nine o'clock at night. Yeah. I'm going to intentionally fail this just to have experience that one time. I'm asleep. There, there you and go. So anyways, because of the level of. I failed the class because I did. You know, it was the I chose to, but like hmm, it was just one of those. This show's supposed to know about photography, and uh, yeah, it would be nice. Yeah, if you did one of those things you've been talking about, where he's like, "Oh, how did I take a photo- how did I take a photograph if if there was no light in there?" You know, where where he's where sure it's just, it's just part of that where he goes sure. where he thinks he's got the negatives and he looks at the negatives and there's actually nothing there. What if this whole show? The negatives have just been all black. And he's just got memory messed and, up stuff. Well, he, no, it's just like, oh, crap.
1: I can't let the organization
2: know. <laughs> because they'll just kill they'll me. They'll just kill me. What if he's got fake? Oh, why doesn't he have fake negatives, Gabe? Well, that's a great episode. He goes and recreates some of this stuff. They haven't established whether
1: they want to get to the negatives or destroy the sure. negatives if it was they want to destroy the negatives then yeah or or sorry if it is that they want to get negatives then yeah just give them
2: just he just have a bunch of fake negatives but they didn't establish that yeah. so i don't know anyways so i apologize so yeah. there's the huge communications equipment they are getting hbo yeah so now harrison uh procures some lieutenant's
1: insignia these little bars that go on your collar yeah and he hand waves how he got them. Yep. Uh, I would very much like to know where he got them because who did he get them from? Is there a lieutenant here? If so, we never see him. Yeah. And if not, where were they? Yeah. And if so, that lieutenant is going to know that how did he get these bars? That is important. I will say this. Yeah.
2: Because They're fake lieutenant's bars. Good point. So it's entirely possible there's just a costume warehouse that he got them from. But the the
1: soldiers which
2: again are part of the
1: not real army right. respect them as if they were real lieutenant sparks because they're not in on the ruse aren't they? the soldiers aren't the soldiers even the guys th- that were just handed a
2: uh, uniform and were told welcome to the army maybe we're talking about different things the guys who were just handed the uniform yeah and given and said welcome to the U- US army uh-huh. you think they're out on the ruse yeah i don't think they're out on the ruse is that how you join the army no, but, you know, why would they – they, they, they're young guys. Okay, okay. I guess – I think they I, just think they're part of a special – I am positive that you can that – that they could just, you know, oh, you guys are part of the special group. Yeah. And they'd be like, I am special. I get to kill people in Chile. Okay, I guess. I don't know, but that's what I assumed was that they didn't know because I, – I assumed that if they weren't, if they were not in on it, yeah. this would
1: seem like such a preposterous operation. You, you get in a van – you ride out to Chile, and then they hand you a uniform, and you're just part of the army. What are the people when they're
2: when when okay what what's your this is good cause i don't we, we we should establish this yeah. what is your stance on the guys who joined the military group in the other episode? Did they know they're joining? I assume
1: they they know they are not joining the US Army. They're joining something that they think is better than the US Army because uh-huh, it takes uh-huh. matters
2: into its own hands. Okay, okay. So you okay, so so you think they they know they're part of That's a good point. All right. All right. Cuz I I feel like that is what they they know they're getting into some, the, some special
1: Yeah, like like they know that that's that's, that's that
2: like the Freedom Army or whatever the heck that was called. Yeah, and they had the like have you read the colonel's
1: book or whatever? He's yeah, the best. Right. Um I don't know. I mean, it's possible. It's possible that they, it, they maybe they're just they're young and dumb, and so they they convince them. Yeah, this is how you
2: join the army. Well, I mean, for, okay. So here is a couple things. One, sure. they convince people of shit all the time on the show. True. So like they are masters of it. Yeah. They rely on people just accepting the first. They said this in the UFO one. People just mm-hmm. accepting the first story they're told. Yeah. They they um these were at least in the the last military episode they were guys who wanted to follow code. Yeah, and they didn't have a lot of. It, 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 I don't. I don't know how to say this in a non-disrespectful way. They seemed to be guys who did not want to think for themselves. Sure, because thinking for themselves was getting them nowhere. Yeah, and so they wanted to hand their lives over to somebody else who would direct them to do good mm-hmm. with with their life. So. There's a sort of follower mentality of these guys, even yeah. if they thought they were. So I don't know. I will say this. If everybody in that camp knows what's up, that's a lot of people who know what's up.
1: Yeah. Let's go over. Well, I am mean, I just like so. I mean, because the reason we got on this is either they are fake lieutenant's bars and the people know they're fake or they are fake lieutenant's bars because someone because they don't know it's fake and someone has been posing as lieutenant. So I'm asking. Like, well, my
2: third thing is, yeah, there are fake lieutenant's bars for the lieutenant when they when the lieutenant shows up. Oh, I see. That's what I'm saying is that they have a costume warehouse that he went through. Yeah, and he basically was like, "This is high enough up for me to do stuff without without it being like." He's not wearing Sergeant Belko like eight of them. Sure, it's sure. It's just enough for him to to get away with stuff. Yeah, I don't know, but that's in. Now I'm curious. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about it too much. Yeah, in the uh, the age the ageless episode, in the age science episode. Oh uh, yeah, forever young. Thank you. Um, do you think all of the people? So I, I don't think you did, but I've been rewatching mm-hmm. some of Angel because there were some parallels there that I thought were interesting towards sure. the end of the fourth season, in the fifth season. Spoilers for Angel. Um, they inherit an evil law firm and that's the show. Oh, okay. And it's a power move. This evil law firm has been the antagonist for the entirety of the five seasons of the show. In mm-hmm. The fifth season, they're like, we're going to give this over to you. And it's not entirely clear why they do. And it does feel like a deal with the devil and they take it anyways, because yeah. each of them has a reason to, because they were very specific in what they were willing to trade. Mm-hmm. Um, And the evil law firm is an evil law firm. Okay. Everyone there knows that they're evil. Yeah. Except for some of the people are like, yeah, I know it's kind of evil, but also like, I love the lab. I love being able to concoct the things that we come up with here. And yeah. now we will do it for good for you. In Forever Young, yeah. I don't know if I thought mm-hmm. that anybody be- uh, like like below the top level knew they were working mm-hmm. for the organization.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't I don't think that either. I think, I think that there... They're just it's working per, on great it's, science. Well, yeah, it's pretty easy to think. I just work at a classified medical facility.
2: Right. I get that there can be a difference here. I was just curious. Yeah. I was just as as a yeah no. I I think I think that's that's different. Be, because, for example, mm-hmm. if all of those people knew that they worked for a shadowy organization, yeah, that's a lot of loose ends. Is
1: all. It, it's just because they showed them "quote unquote" joining the army. Yeah, that's real bonkers. Again, like I don't. If someone told me, yeah, I joined the army, they flew us out to Chile and then some guy grabbed some uniforms out of a tent <laughs> and said, we joined <laughs> sure, the army. Sure. That That's... just seems like so weird. If it, They could have done away with that scene okay. and had it just be like the men show up and I don't know, maybe they, they find the manufacturing of these things separately. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. they've just been seeing men in army uniforms and then they find out, oh, these were made in China or something, or these are made here or whatever. And I think they could have established that separately and not have it been, they were literally handed a a uniform that was just made from 10 feet away. Fair point, fair point. But maybe that would have taken more time and and money to get across. I don't know. So maybe the intent was that, yeah, these guys think they're actually part of the army. That would make sense because I have wondered why are these guys, how do these guys know all of this protocol if they just joined the army 10 minutes ago? Mm-hmm. You know, may- maybe maybe it's the fact that he had the line "Welcome to the U.S. Army" that is tripping me up. Sure. If he had had some other line that didn't imply they were ju- maybe they've already been part of the army, and they get a- get across some other way that this is crooked rather than that line of dialogue. Okay. Maybe that would have been fine. Maybe that would have gotten their point across
2: easier. Okay. So so closing this parenthetical. Sure. The one thing that is nice about him saying, oh, I found him at the bottom of the Wheaties box. What do you care where I got them? Yeah. I am going to say that's how I imagine he got knocked out the two people that they are posing. Yes. <laughs> okay. is, is that is that the well, same if, sort of quip would have been. Well, I was eating Wheaties and suddenly these two guys were in the box. So I threw the box away. <laughs> obviously, it wouldn't have been another Wheaties metaphor. He would have had some other quip. But yes, I think that like with that same level of casual hand waving. Yeah. Because here's okay. the thing. I would like the character to be that. If this were a character that was used more often, I like the idea of we never quite know. He's basically um, Rocket from from Guardians of the Galaxy for me. Where basically, we don't know exactly where he got all of the things that he got. And probably some shady stuff happened. That's
1: a good point. Um, Rigel from Farscape very often has things that he shouldn't have. And (laughs) there's an episode where someone refers to him stealing. And he's like, I don't steal. I procure. (laughs) And like... Okay, yeah. if that's what the character is, then yeah, lean into it, lean into right. it just a little bit more, fine. Yes. I'm not saying that it's a problem that they don't show where it is, but like, that's a real big thing for us to just take for granted. Okay. You know, anyway, because, because it has immediate repercussions. Yes, it does. That's true. If it is that they're going to have those for when the lieutenant shows up, I love that as an explanation. Okay. Tell me that, you know, have Sh- someone sure. be like, hey, the lieutenant's supposed to be here, you know, The, the maybe they're behind the scenes. The quote-unquote lieutenant, he well, does with finger quotes, is supposed to be here. Where's the, the bars? I would hand wave it here. Yeah. When he shows up.
2: hmm Oh, lieutenant, you're not supposed to be here until tomorrow.
1: There you go. That's, or, he, here's an idea. Yeah. When the women are making the uniforms, have a quick shot, he looks down and he sees a lieutenant's uniform sure. with some bars.
2: There you go. And so he that's where he knows where to get it. Yeah. Sure, sure. So yeah, that's all I was yeah, that that's that's what my brain filled in the answers okay. with. My brain doesn't
1: so, do that because it, I'm hardwired <laughs> to assume that all mistakes all, all things that could be taken as mistakes are mistakes. Right. I'm trying
2: to get out of that, but you know. Still it's yeah. Old yeah. habits die hard. No, it's you know, if if we when two people agree with one another one of them is unnecessary. Yeah. Granted, it takes us a long time to get through some of these episodes. We were doing real good for a while, and then we got into some of the meatier stuff, and we're back to our three-hour correct, meaty correct. episodes. But, grant, you know, elsewise, it's just a recap. So, so it's good that our brains work differently, because that's where we come up with all of the stuff. So it's fine.
1: So Harrison puts on the lieutenant's bars and poses as a lieutenant in front of the guards outside the important tent. And I would say he doesn't... <laughs> Sorry, that just felt flippant (laughs) outside the important. I have it. That's how I refer to it in my notes is the important. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say he does a pretty good job of posing as a high ranking officer. I'm a I'm a strong believer in if you act like you're supposed to be there, nobody will tell you you are wrong. Maybe the person at the very top will tell you you're wrong. But there's a meme I saw online where it was when you wake up tomorrow, put on your formal clothes, go to any business and just start working. If they call the police, start working at the police office. (laughs) So you know he's like using like a, v- a very you know he's like shouting and and so on using like a, that like that deep thing that that army guys do like you know turn hot
2: drill sergeant style. exactly that yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff and yeah it's not just like it's not random yeah he's calling out the the overweight guy yeah and he's he he it's there's even an argument to be made that he's like yeah. Don't you want to take? Don't you want to go for a run with with your buddy here and get him up to code or whatever? Yeah, like he's not totally random. Like he's he's doing a good job. He's uh, of of feeling like walking that line of being harsh uh-huh. and and like making them feel like they're part of something, making yeah. them feel like they're part of a chain. Uh, the way I put it in my notes is uh, he calls one of the guards fat and convinces
1: the two of them to go jog around the <laughs> camp. So that is also what happens. <laughs> yes. Uh, so they run off. He waves Tom into the building. Tom goes into. Uh, they're like. Intel room where they've got oh, a bunch right, of that's what it is, maps yeah. and charts and stuff. Uh, he takes a bunch of photos of them while Harrison watches for anything happening outside. There's another shot of the organization watching Tom and, and Hale interacting. Tom says he didn't know what he was expecting to find in that tent, but it turns out whoever it was that was perpetrating this had an incredibly intricate communications network, which is important because again, this is the organization that he has been hounded by this whole, this whole series. Yeah. Um. There's a tense moment where the sergeants notice something amiss and they walk towards the building. But uh, Tom and Harrison manage to escape just in time.
2: There's since you talked about this is this is their communications network. Yeah. I, I I don't think it has anything to do. I don't think it's intentional in the story. OK. But he uses a separate camera. He does. It's a smaller camera.
1: Yeah. A, a more compact one it's is a, yeah. I, I'm assuming his he, normal camera he doesn't have on him because it's
2: too big. Right. And he's used little cameras like this before when he's taking pictures of documents.
1: I think this is the camera he used in episode two when he's being really covert, like walking around the, he's posing as Dr. Bellamy. He's taking pictures of like the monks that are gardening and such. He has like a little, little like rectangular camera that he like clicks a button, pushes it in, clicks a button, pushes it in.
2: I think it's that camera. And so in theory, mm-hmm. there's two roles of film. That's, I don't think the show's ever going to bring it up. Oh, shoot. Because the
1: camera he has later on that is given back to him by the rebel is his other camera.
2: So, okay. And the camera that has photos of the communications network of the organization. is, Is not the one that gets
1: brought up again. There wasn't a moment where he specifically loses that camera.
2: It would have been real nice if there was. Or if... This was ep- – if if in episode one he was like, they were after these negatives, it's actually this camera's negatives that they are worried about, I'll bet you. Or whatever. Mm, yeah. Or something, you know. Because yeah. basically like photographs of their communications network yeah. is a problem. Photographs of they faked a thing, that doesn't point back to them. Photographs yeah. of longitude and latitude of the sites of, their, of, of where they have current sure, operations, sure. that's a problem. That's a problem. That's the palm top in a different form. Yeah. I – Why
1: did they not establish what happened to this camera? Because either (laughs) he lost it, in which case they didn't show us, or he has it. And this whole series he's had supposedly, you know, ending of the episode notwithstanding, the assumption is that he had photos of their communications network and their locations.
2: And that that's maybe the negatives they're after.
1: Then at the end of this episode, the voice should ask him, Tom, what happened to the second camera? And then Tom doesn't know. And then, Tom, why didn't you do something with that second camera? And Tom thinks back, and he doesn't remember having the second camera. Maybe even have a shot of him taking those photos, but then have the shot fade into he's holding nothing.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's some interesting stuff with the second camera that never pays off. I didn't even think of that, and that's a great point and i didn't really draw it out until you said this is their communications network because in my yeah. mind i'm just like these maps of whatever it doesn't sure. matter sure um but yeah this is their communications network this is how the organization contacts one another there is some good stuff on the on that roll of film yeah that's worth having the entire show for right right now the
1: ending of this episode does throw a big wrench in that right but it never gets addressed and it
2: really should have yeah and it could be addressed in a later episode but I don't even at all think that it will I highly doubt that it will however however the show ends yeah I will we will probably bring that camera up again sure maybe that's the oh that maybe makes sense if the negatives are the ones from the tiny camera I will tell you that something that does involve some film
1: at the end of this (laughs) this show is gonna make you pull your hair out you're gonna be like what are they even doing (laughs) Just you wait. We got like five or six episodes before right. that. Right. Anyway, they, they're running away. They run through the jungle. Tom uh, explains to Harrison what he learned. He said there's a base on some island near the U.S. mainland that seems to be a base for all of this. He says the name of the island, but I, I didn't write it down because it. I don't think it's ever going to come I up again. I
2: super thought he was going to go to that island, and that's where the execution was going to take place, by the way. I was like, what? Then later, it doesn't happen there. And I was like, what the hell was that island? Yeah. Why doesn't he go to that island other than it would be very costly to do so? (laughs) Right. But that's the first place you go. Not Bellamy's place. Yeah. You go to that island where you know their bases. Doesn't matter.
1: I don't know. Harrison's really excited about this, but they are interrupted by a group of soldiers that followed them and heard them talking in the jungle.
2: For your thing, it could have been, you know, the lieutenant. Does find that his lapels uh, that his bars are missing or something. And that's well, what I thought that's what it was gonna be mm. because this guy
1: that is is in charge of this group of soldiers we haven't seen yet so far. Okay. And he could have said, like, oh, some nice bars you got there, but he doesn't. And then, spoilers for thirty seconds from now, this guy gets killed. No 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 mention of it whatsoever. Just yeah. all these guys get, get shot down. Maybe that's what they intended. Maybe they shot something or they were gonna shoot something or whatever.
2: What's the biggest video shit you've been on? How many people? Not very big. I think when I was at, did you do the one for Click? Uh, yes. Were you an extra for Click? Yes, I was. You remember that crap? Yeah, that was like it was. It was it's big, hogged. and there was a lot of there's, a lot of work. There's a, and there's a, and there's so much wait and hurry up. Yeah, and so yeah, with something with this many extras, without like an entire assistant, second assistant um, director yeah. thing to babysit everybody, Uh oof. I just feel like they're, yeah, in a show that's prone to gaffes, yeah. there's, there's, there could be so many gaffes that we don't even, yeah. Sure. That, that, yeah. I mean, not,
1: not to, because you're totally right, but I will say, like, I mean, Click was, was just done on your own time. Like, it wasn't, nobody's getting paid for that, right? Yeah, no, we, uh, yeah, we were just volunteering. Yeah, so, I mean, so a, a little bit of a difference, but yes, totally, same principle applies, definitely. So Harrison makes a, a quip at this guy. Like Tom's talking about like the information they got. And this guy shows up and says something like, unfortunately, you know, that information won't do you any good. And then I think like somebody punches Harrison or something. He like falls to the ground. And then he said, he quips, can I quote you on that? And then the guy says no and shoots him. And this is something from the commentary that I thought was really interesting. Okay. There's just one shot of this, of him being shot. There is no like pulls the trigger and then like cut to falling and then cut to a different angle. And then he hits the ground, cut to a shot of sure. it's just one shot. The director, he didn't want it to make a big thing of it. And he was afraid that what they did have wouldn't get through because they usually do that to get through the the sensors. They usually do that so that it won't look as gruesome as it might. Okay. So they were afraid that this shot wouldn't make it past the network right because it's chilling when people just die yeah like very unceremoniously just shot falls down dead a lot of action movies in the last five years
2: have started doing that and it's extremely disturbing
1: excruciating when they don't do it's excruciating when they they cut around everything and then when they don't yeah it's a
2: Such a different experience. An unceremonious kill in a movie is such a weird thing to see where it's just like, whoa, I didn't realize how romantic all other kills have been made for the rest of my life. Right. Because it's like, that's just, that's just vomit inducing. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, just, he gets shot, falls down. And then. Which is um, great because it's going to set Bruce up for some great acting. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's one of the things you were, I think you were alluding to like Bruce being terrified during the rest of this is great. Yeah. So um, the guy points the gun at Tom. Tom makes
1: a quip as well. I don't remember what it was, but it's like, Tom, this is not the time or place. (laughs) And a shot rings out, but it wasn't the army guy killing Tom. It was a group of rebels showing up to kill the army guys. So the guy that possibly was the lieutenant gets shot. All the other army guys get shot. Everybody gets killed except Tom is like cowering on the ground.
2: These rebels find him, grab him, carry him away. Cut to commercial. Um, There's no mention of like you are not Jim Morrison, but we saw your photo. Like there's, right. I, I was like, is I, I kept waiting for that to be the reason. because These are ki- the guys. Yeah. So I kept waiting for like the, the reason what we about didn't that? kill you is because you gave us these fun party oh, favors sure, or sure. something, you know? Yeah. I, at
1: this point, I'm pretty sure the illusion has been lost, but yeah, someone should have been like, we, we shouldn't have believed that this was Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison died and holds up like a 20 year old newspaper. Um, <laughs> It just made its way to us. So this, this is the scene where I really think that uh that Bruce Greenwood do- he knocks it out of the park. I can tell he is terrified. Also apparently it was like 10 degrees Fahrenheit in this place and it was like the middle of the night, so everybody was very very cold. Have you done a cold shoot? No,
2: I don't want to. I've done, like I, the, the the I've done a cold shoot yeah. in in a period World War 1 or 2, 1 I think. Yeah. Um military gear. For, for as long as video shoots are yeah when they are outside and cold they yeah. are worse so
1: um yeah he he acts absolutely terrified in this scene he's shivering and you know he's like stumbling over his words and everything the rebels are interrogating him um he's telling them the truth he's just a photographer they ask him what newspaper he works for and he's like i'm, I'm just working freelance you know i'm sure he was hesitant to say that because it makes him sound less you know less less credible credible um <laughs> the the their leader, I, I I don't know what his name is. I don't think they said it, and there's like a few a few guys on IMDB that could possibly be him, none of which have any other acting credits, or a photo, so I couldn't quite tell. Um their leader grabs his his driver's license and he he reads it off Thomas J. Veal. And apparently that was something that the actor did by mistake, and the director was like, no, keep it. Like that makes that makes perfect sense. They they accuse Tom and his friends of killing their families, and Tom says, like, no, 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 they're not my friends. Look, like, this isn't really the U.S. Army. They're trying very, very hard to make it look like they're the U.S. Army and that the U.S. Army is killing innocent people. And uh, the rebel leader, he, he says, you know, well, whoever they are, they are American, and they are killing our families. And he is very patient with Tom, very understanding, but also still very
2: angry at what's happening. Yeah. And th- yeah, that's a good point. This is a nice performance. Yeah. Because he basically has to be someone who has nothing left left to lose. Yeah. Who is being patient with someone who's being somewhat reasonable. Right. And if you really get
1: down to it, this is a scene where Tom needs a thing and then he gets it. But the, the, the stakes make it so much more than that. Yes, this guy does ultimately let Tom go. But... We can tell through his performance that like it it makes sense. He doesn't want to, but he feels it's the best thing to do. The guy says a nice line at the end, too? Yes, I have have it written down. As they go to let go or let Tom free in a moment, he says, I killed some soldiers. In the process, I saved your life. I was only trying to kill the soldiers. It's a great little line. It really, really is.
2: Aaron Sorkin said, if you have to do... Something like this, mm-hmm. where you are, where where nothing happens, or the, something outlandish happens. Yeah, fly in the face of it. Yeah, have a character acknowledge this is ridiculous. Right, and that's a really nice line for that. That isn't flippant. It's, sure, it's 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 one of the nicer quotes of the entire
1: show, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So like Tom is you know begging them like he he isn't part of this. That's not really the army. In fact, he has got photos that will. Ruin them if right, he's able right, to, to get right, them out. That's right. And so the leader, you know, he picks up the camera, and of course, part of me is
2: like, "Oh no, is he going to like smash the camera or something?" Yeah. The whole time, it, it's nice. You think it's going to happen? Yeah. He asks, I kept be, being afraid that he wasn't going to smash the camera. He was just yeah. going to pull the film out. Yeah. Because that ex- that exposes everything as so white that it destroys the film. Sure. Because it's so much light. Right.
1: And he asked Tom, you know, if I let you go, what are you going to do with these photographs? And Tom is like, I'll, I'll I'll publish them. I'll expose everything. You know, I, I will I will bring justice to all of this. Which well,
2: he really doesn't. And yeah. so I like the uh, like I which which is totally fine with me if you lean into the idea of like the Tom who puts this photograph. Let's say hidden agenda wasn't the 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 head photograph. Yeah, it's just one of his photographs. If it was just one of the ones off to the side, like he tried to honor. The people who died here, but was yeah. terrified that people would come and get him. And then he understood who it was who came and got him, as opposed to him putting this photograph up in prime location at his gallery with a barbed wire frame and then being confused about who it is who is after him at the start of the, the start of the show. Yeah. Again, they didn't know that. But like, yeah. it's
1: just a very rough retcon. A little, yeah. A little bit of a jumble of of
2: ideas that they're trying to to, to tie in here. So um, I'm just saying, I love the idea of reluctant Tom, of cowardly sure. Tom at the beginning, sure. and and so the fact that seeing him promise this mm-hmm. and he doesn't really do it, yeah, well, it's kind of cool. Okay. So
1: the leader shouts something to his men in Spanish, and they like seem reluctant to do it. but He like shouts it again, and they go and they cut his they cut his ropes. And apparently, the director was trying to figure out should we have subtitles for any of this, mm-hmm. and he decided no, because you know there could be a moment of hesitance there like are they about to kill him are they gonna what are they gonna do and
2: no he's telling him let him go basically he does the trope of you know bringing the knife up to his throat and stuff on his way to cut the the ropes yeah um if you've seen anything in a movie don't put it in your movie (laughs) okay that's just uh i've seen that one enough i've seen that trope enough times yeah for my whole life so for for any future (laughs) movies out there i'm tired of uh Oh, he's going to kill him. Oh, no, he's setting him free. Fake yeah. out. No, no, I've seen that before. That one's done. Come up with a new thing. So Tom asks for a cigarette and
1: he tries to light it, but his hands are t- shaking too much. The leader holds out his lighter and lights it for him.
2: Gabe. Yeah. Tom asks for a cigarette. Is that, is that good? It's a great piece of writing. Okay. Well, maybe it's not a great piece of writing. Do we <laughs> okay. not see him? In in the first episode, Uh huh. he goes for a smoke. Yeah. And that's when everything gets changed. Yeah. And then he's not a smoker the rest of the show. I mean, earlier in this episode, he was smoking. Is he? Well, well, well but I'm just saying like like that. All right. All right. Well, so is that, is, is that the case?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like when he was in the hotel at the beginning. He was yeah, smoking at the he's, beginning
2: he's, and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Then, then nevertheless, okay. I would like it to have been a deliberate thing. Sure. I would like the smoking to have started here. Okay. I would like the smoking to have stopped at the. the. I left for a goddamn cigarette, and that's when they. Sure, sure. So I,
1: if, if he didn't, maybe if earlier in the episode he was offered a cigarette and no, he no, said, I No, I don't smoke.
2: Yeah. I, I would love to, to have been that. that. Yeah, that that's could have been all. nice. So I thought that's what it was. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, sorry. Opportunity for some <laughs> writing, that's all it was. Yeah. Um.
1: So Tom asks, like, what it is that these army men are doing. Like, you know, he knows they're not army, but like, what have they been doing around here? And uh, the leader says that they've paid off the local government and they've been stealing people's land, stealing people's farms and stealing all of the coca. And Tom's like, oh, so they are involved in drugs to, uh, to some extent. And he said he says a line which you alluded to earlier that, like, you know, they're happy to see the coca go, but not like this. The leader gives Thomas camera. And then he tells one of his men to take Tom to town so he can go publish
2: these photos. I've never thought about – I didn't – until we got here again, I didn't think about the fact that then we're saying that the organization funds itself through drugs. Yeah. but If, but if, if things the, at the end, yeah. question mark. But it's an interesting idea of where is their funding coming from. Yeah, doesn't need to be explored, but it's a, it's a nice L- – Lasers? And virtual reality—they're not selling those things. They have those things. They have the. They're money selling to them, them to they're... other bad people. I don't know other secret oh, that's, organizations. That's an interesting idea. Again, if you go full Inspector Gadget, I like the idea that they are also creating the stuff for other super. <laughs> I kids. guess
1: this is actually a prequel to uh, Avengers. Yeah. So yeah, he, he tells tells someone he's meant to take Tom out of here, so he can go escape and go go publish these photos. And this is where he delivers the line. You know, I was only trying to kill soldiers. So they leave the shack and as they do, a bomb goes off and then another bomb. The army has arrived and are shooting at the rebels. Uh, they get them surrounded. But in the chaos, Tom manages to escape and start snapping more photos. The army men get their hands on the rebels. Four of them. And there's four of them in particular. That they get their hands on and uh, escort them away back in the, the tavern. Tom tells the voice. He doesn't know whether to, he didn't know whether to follow these men or run for his life and get out of the country.
2: Again, lifeboat choices, which I like, right?
1: Uh, At this point, however, um, well, the voice says, obviously, you followed them.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. and instead of, instead of, instead of, like, brushing over with, obviously, you followed Mm them, spotlight that moment, because that's a nice moment, because he should freaking go home. Yeah. He had, he has enough, like, if he had gone home, things would be different.
1: And, I mean, ultimately, he succeeds, he gets away with the photos, but he should know that staying is not going to
2: do these men more good than leaving. Yeah. That if he stays and dies. Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's, and I'm not calling it stupid that he keeps going. It's just, it's, it's, um, you want to set up opportunities for your heroes to take the less perilous path Mm -hmm. is all when, when they take the more, the, the more dangerous path, um, you want, it to be clear they're taking the more dangerous path and not yeah. like running past it. Sure, that's where stakes come from when they're personal. Is when the characters are committing the sins that are furthering their progression. Yeah, and and it's that it doesn't all have, you know the last stage. So it's orphan, wanderer, warrior, martyr. That's the four stages of the the hero. Okay, uh, in the four quarters of of a story, when you go to martyr you're still choosing to go forward you just know you're going to die okay and so um it's nice when you have the characters you know take a damn moment for <laughs> you know not not just i should have gone home but i didn't go home that's yeah. all okay it just it just it just deserves a page yeah that's all
1: so back at the army's base uh they usher the rebels off the humvee we see there's a bunch of other civilians in the area too we hear like a crying baby there's like a man and a woman you know trying to escape like running by there's i wasn't like...
2: expecting civilians this was interesting
1: yeah um there's even like a, a dude like runs up and just gets gunned down for for trying to to intervene intervene um we see them they have like a, a makeshift gallows they throw some ropes over it they uh tom's watching and taking photos the whole time the four rebels have bags put over their heads. They stand them up on some barrels. They put the nooses around their necks. The civilians watch in horror. The barrels get kicked out of the way, and they get hanged. So basically, we are seeing the hidden agenda photo recreated in real time. And and, and it's pretty accurate. If you if you look at what what we see in that episode compared to the actual hidden agenda photo, obviously they were taken at two you know two different times. But they took great pains to re- like the. Barrels are in the same spot. People, there's like a man and woman running past that are in the same spot. Okay. There's the dude. the The photo we see in the episode is taken from a different angle, but you can tell it's the same
2: photo. That's. I mean, it, it is a very. It's it's cool to watch. Yeah, it's cool to watch. Um, and that's why like I didn't realize there were people that it was a public execution. Like that was sort of. Oh my, that's a little grisly. Well, it's referred to as a public
1: execution is in it? the first episode, but. When I hear public execution, I'm thinking like, yeah, it's like in the middle of a city or something. Sure. Or not a city, but like in the middle of a village. But there were definitely onlookers that so this yep. wasn't a private. And that makes sense. If they are trying to pose as the U.S. Army, they're going to do it while civilians are nearby. Because that is of... the story out. That... It, exactly. Yeah. Um. So this is actually this is actually my my notes stop here because we got to the end of the episode and I was like, Steve, I want you to just watch this part. Right. Um. So they cut back to the tavern. Mm hmm. And then it very quickly wraps up. Like, Tom is like, yeah, then I, I got back to town. I got a plane. I got out of there. Like, just the rest of the story is not relevant or right. not, not important. Right. And the voice says to him, and you believe this? And then we see the the organization members like, what is he doing? And Tom's like, of course I believe it. What are you talking about? I, I was there. I, I took the picture. And then he tries telling Tom what you remember happening, what you believe happened, It isn't real. None of this happened. And then the organization members slam on that button and he like falls to the ground. He's like in all sorts of pain. And he says, he says, Tom, exit 128 on Interstate 8. Go there. And then like they hit the button again. He's like, "Ah, none of it happened, Tom. And he dies. Like we see, we see like his, his broadcast from his eyes goes to static. Cause I guess robot eyes don't work when you die. They need the power source of
2: the heart. Sure, sure. Actually, Gabe, it'd, probably, it'd probably be the brain. Perfectly honest. Oh, okay. Um, um, but Gabe, if yeah. it had been a lapel cam, that wouldn't have been tied to the brain. So, yeah. Well, was...
1: but sorry, I forgot to mention. He says they got to me. They got to me, Tom. Right. He lets like, them know they're he watching. Lets Tom, know. Yeah. It's not. It's not just you know. So Tom isn't like, what is wrong with this guy? Sure, why is he sure? Why is he dying on the floor? <laughs> right. Um. And so Tom leaves. There's a dead guy on the ground. The police probably got called, unless the whole place is filled with
2: organization members, but whatever. I don't think it is. It's just like yeah. Tom's left worse crap. Okay. You, you make a good way. point. You make a good point. <laughs> this is par for the course.
1: Yeah. Um, and next Tom is driving a car, even though at the beginning of the episode he started off in a bus station, and now he had, he just left a, a murder scene and is has a car (laughs) again. They don't need to show us all these details, but like when you raise the stakes, it's going to have ripple effects. You can't
2: just cut to, yep. Tom got a car somehow. Yeah, I what well, would be nice. I have talked about this before. This yeah. is a great opportunity for one of those This is why Tom has smart moments. Sure. Like the they we, we saw one of those last episode where he does the behind me is the the uh fire alarm. Yeah. You know, we actually see him do one of the ones. Sure. This is an example of it would be great if any time Tom is in a new town, mm-hmm. he finds some way to procure a car. He knows sure. which car he's gonna steal if he has to. Well,
1: they could have At the beginning of the tavern scene, show Tom pulling up in this
2: little car. I don't. That's not what I want. You don't want that. That's not what I want. Okay. I I want in Jason Bourne one, he doesn't know who he is, Mm -hmm. but he has the habits of a spy. Yeah, and so one. And they're not all physical habits. It starts with physical habits. He starts making knots, but then he's in a diner and he knows where the most likely place to find a gun is. Mm -hmm. He knows who is the person who would be hardest to fight in a hand to hand combat. Yeah, and he knows where like which car most likely has the keys in the sun visor or something like that okay i don't know if that's the exact same thing i don't like i don't know if he actually does say that yeah but no no i that, I, I get it. that i would love to see tom with that instinct and then he goes i watched one episode of burn notice yeah i feel like burn notice has a very similar vibe and i think burn Von- burn notice does a very good job of because he explains what he's doing mm-hmm. he's allowed to do anything okay and that's all I want. I I don't want Tom to have – because if Tom shows up with a car, yeah, then that's not a thing. That's not a chance for Tom to be smart. Sure. I'm just saying, like, we don't even do a voiceover. It's just clear that Tom does this in every town. It would just look cool to my eyes. Like, oh, wow, Tom really has learned how to, like – who whose car to steal and, and yeah. how to steal it? And well, that's, that's all I'm here's
1: another idea. Maybe you'd like this. All right. Um, when – the voice falls down on the ground and is freaking out. Oh, he like, takes his some, keys. Some well, I was going to say some people like get up and crowd around him. Tom looks over, sees someone's keys sitting on the table, grabs him and runs out. Now they again they don't need to show all of this. I know I, I complained about him procuring a car in episode two. Well, no,
2: what I'm saying is it's. If you're going to do it, yeah. do not do it for Gabe's logistical needs. Yeah. Do it as an opportunity to, to, to show, show how, Tom being yeah. smart. Okay. If it's their keys are out on the table, yeah. that's opportunism. That's not interesting to me. If... As he dies, he rolls his eyes and pulls the keys out of the guy. Like, if we saw the guy I show liked up, that. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If the guy showed up in a car, yeah, and Tom saw him, it's <laughs> a real goofy car for that guy to be driving, though. No. Go on, go on, sorry. So, you know, that's, that's 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 all I'm saying is that I want it to be a deliberate choice at the end. That even under pressure, even when a guy has just been murdered and Tom yeah. is going to be the prime suspect. He rolls his eyes at like, oh, this shit again. (laughs) Yeah. And is still able to procure a car without luck. That's what I want. Sure. Okay. So he's driving this beat
1: up little yellow car down the road. He pulls off on exit 128 or whatever. And he pulls over on the side of the road. There's like a little path through some trees.
2: (sighs) Do you have something to say? I'm just mad at how much there isn't really a path. He just pulls like – The guy doesn't say, pull over at this thing and then you look for the whatever. He just knows where to go. The tree in the jungle that was supposedly hiding a military base, that you could see through. Yeah. This thing that like Tom doesn't, like, there's no guide. The the road doesn't truncate and there's, and he's like, ah, this dead end must be, and he pushes the things away. He knows exactly where to go at this exit. Now you could argue he knows where to go. I like that. I like that. Like, this is one of the shots I will need then for the show. I need them to have a a thing where he stops and he, and there's nothing. Gabe, it stops. He gets out of the car. There's literally nothing. And And he makes some, you know, he interacts with it in a sort of like, I feel like I know this. And he pushes the thing aside and then he's able to go in. What would have been really cool. Yeah. If he takes the exit and
1: then if it was that like he got to the place where there was a tree in the way. Or something, something that happened in the flashback. Mm-hmm. Like there was a part in the flashback where, like, he pushed aside a branch, or I guess there was a part where the army did exactly that. But if it was like, it cuts back to it him mirrors. pushing. It mirrors something he had done in the flashback. Yeah, no,
2: I'd love that. That's what S- I, that's what I kind of needed for this. Sure, I'm sure it was it's just a, a logistical goofy. thing, yeah. but you know, this is a big goddamn moment in the it, story, a very big moment. And so I just, I would like it treated with some, you know, some finesse. Some finesse. Thank yeah.
1: you. Yeah. So he goes through some bushes and they don't really show us exactly what it is he's seeing for a moment, Mm -hmm. but he's in like a big mud filled clearing and he starts looking at what's around him. There's like some knocked over barrels. There's like a little building. We see like a flashback of the nooses being thrown over the thing. We hear a baby crying and the camera keeps showing us different shots. And eventually we put together he is at the place where the photo was taken. And then the camera pan, you know, pans up or whatever. And he, it is there. It's in Washington, D.C. Where this hidden agenda photo was taken. And that's the end of the episode. Now, something that I noticed on my most recent rewatch before today. When I watched it a few days ago. It's not just that this is where the hidden agenda photo was taken. Maybe this detail I'm about to mention was just a gaff, maybe it's just whatever, maybe it's something we can read into. The footprints are all over that place, which to me, considering it's all wet and if those footprints were made say, two years ago they would not still be there. They would have all been washed away. It looks like this was taken last week. Hmm. Now I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if that's where, if that's going to be significant, but... They're already showing us that Tom's memory is not reliable. Yeah. So I have to ask the question, at what point did his memory... At what point did did that stop? Is it that two years ago something happened and erased, replaced his memory? Or has half of the series so far been false memory? Interesting. Yeah. Now, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know if this is ever going to come up again in the show. But... Seeing it, it looks so recent that because I'm trying to approach this with an open mind, maybe some of this stuff is intentional. Some, maybe some of it is is not just mistakes. Is that what they're trying to say here? That's an intro. Yeah, I, hmm. I'll tell you what. Oh, yeah. do you m- well, I was just gonna say, like the the cynical question par- question mark part of me is asking, maybe all those episodes that we thought were real stupid. Mm-hmm. Didn't actually happen. Okay.
2: Maybe. Well, I mean, that we know from the Carrie Ann Moss episode, which is early. Yeah. That they can make Tom imagine these places.
1: That is true. And and when we did that episode, I was thinking about this as one of the times I was going to go back. I was going to revisit that. Okay. We know that they can give Tom false memories. Right. So what
2: memories are true? Yeah. So the fact that they can give Tom false memories, mm-hmm. that is part of where I'm at with the idea of just let him go. They don't know where he can go. Yeah. Right. And again, From if, the last if, episode.
1: if they had said he's got others, you know, don't worry about him. Right. Then, yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. So don't want to harp on that again.
2: Th- that that all being said, um, if now mm-hmm. or in a following episode that weren't a filler episode, like I will say. Yeah. I'm be very mad at whatever the next episode is because it's not going to answer I my question. I guarantee questions. you will. Just from the description, I know it's going to be something <laughs> stupid. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. W- maybe not. We'll see. But the chances of him acknowledging what has just happened. Yeah. In every other show, you have to then, in the next episode, acknowledge yeah. that the premise of the show, you that the main character is not a reliable narrator in his own life. Sure. This is a show where I don't guarantee that they're going to address that. Yeah. And, again, I don't remember
1: anything about the next few episodes. For all I know, maybe the intro is going to be completely different next episode. Maybe. That would be really cool if if they replaced the intro with, you know, I thought I took a photograph of this sure. thing or so on. That would be awesome. That would be. I don't think they will, but yeah. maybe. I... Like, I, can't, I kept... Whenever I would think about the arc of this series, I thought of this episode as being very close to the end. Sure. Because, like, I feel like this puts him on an immediate trajectory towards whatever is going to be the final conclusion. But, like, I swear the next, like, four episodes, the descriptions just sound like, oh, and then Tom has an adventure doing this thing. (laughs) One of them is like, Tom loses the negatives and a gang gets a hold of them. And it's like, how in the world can that possibly come after this episode? Yeah, you know what I mean? I Maybe do. that will turn out to be a great episode, but I don't remember it.
2: So I I'm hesitant could, to believe so. I, chances are good. Yeah. We're going to have to do a time swap that is going to – we're going to create another lens for this show. Yeah. That is going to be called – these are the episodes they were going to do during the time that they were forced to do the 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 Palm Top arc. Yeah. And they still had them, and they it make no sense – After the Palm Top arc, and we're just going to have to pretend that they happened before the Palm Top arc is my guess. I think it was last week.
1: I talked about um, the show, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Yes, maybe it was a couple episodes ago. Um, That show very much does that. Okay, the the plot gets wrapped up like oh yeah, you talked about like three episodes before the end. Yeah, that's where like he gets the bad guy. There's like a the the plot is weird for that show. It all gets wrapped up. But then there's, I, there's still, like, two or three episodes left, and they're they're seriously like, oh, here's this other adventure that Briscoe <laughs> County had in the meantime. One of them is literally a dad is telling his son a story about something Briscoe County did. And then at the end of the episode, like, he runs into Briscoe County and, like, gives the kid finger guns <laughs> or whatever. And it's real weird. Like, did d- d- Why? Who is going to find that satisfying? I mean, I'm I'm sure it was they were in the middle of filming it and then something came up so they couldn't finish it in time for the
2: finale or whatever. But it's just real weird. Well, I know sometimes things air in the correct order or in the incorrect order. Yeah. Like if you go to watch Firefly, uh-huh. you need a guide to figure out which episode comes first, and right? So forth, right. right. Well,
1: with these in particular, like there is a framing device in the episode that explains, oh, this
2: happened previously. Oh, okay. It's so not they're, just they're, they're leaning into. They're leaning into the fact that – we know you've seen the finale <laughs> exactly. But here's exactly. a fun DLC, <laughs> right? Okay. So, um, but so, yeah, in, in a lot of cases, that is that is what happens. And so that's what I'm probably going to have to use that that lens for this show. Yeah.
1: I mean, we'll see. Maybe the the intro's different and he's like, (sighs) I had this other adventure before.
2: that <laughs> or he's just like it was too much to think about so I just had to really just per- keep pretending that my negatives made sense and yeah. I didn't need to stop and acknowledge and examine them and I mean I don't think all of the episodes are gonna be
1: as as filler as like Tom loses the negatives and a gang gets hold of <laughs> right? them uh, I think there's a couple in there f- from the descriptions that sound vaguely familiar that sound interesting and sound important okay but I just kept thinking that this goes right into yeah. the, the finale because I mean I could be wrong but I think the finale even takes place in washington dc okay like i think it even takes place geologically close to this or or geographically close to this
2: so i don't know we'll see you talked a lot about how i've seen this episode and you know that yes this this was the last episode that i remember watching with you i once once he is walking around this clearing yeah and i do I, i some stuff did sort of come back to me. If you hadn't yeah. been telling me I had seen this, I don't know that that I would have been looking for this. Yeah. But I was like, well, this, this does feel familiar. Only this ending bit. Sure. Noth- nothing else for the entire series ever okay. has felt familiar. But this little bit did feel kind of familiar, where it, there was sort of like, oh wow, it's it just happened in basically a parking lot for for all yeah. intents and purposes. Um I know that when I was watching it, I was mad. <laughs> Okay. Today, I don't blame I, you. I don't. I don't quite remember. Like, I didn't take notes because I was sure I was so. Well, I, 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 I told you about. not to take notes for the last few minutes. Sure, but even then, like I like like we started, and I was like, I want to talk right now about how mad I am, yeah. and it's been a couple of hours, and I have built my life to like, not get mad at shit yeah. if possible. That has happened in the time it has taken us to record this podcast. I don't remember what I was mad about at the Sorry, end. Sorry, we should have recorded something right then and I And mean, We had the mics on and I chose yeah. not to, but um it was something along the lines of like, this makes no sense. Yeah. And I don't remember if it was this makes no sense in the sense uh, that, that 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 like because now I'm just I'm experiencing the emotions I know they wanted me to feel. Yeah. Which was, ooh, what then? Like if like like <laughs> if this is the case then why? Yeah. What, what, what photos were were taken? What, what, what's on the nape? You know, all, all these questions I was like, Ooh, I'm I'm just sort of excited to watch some more nowhere man at the time. I think the thing I was most pissed off about. Yeah. I don't know why I was this pissed off about it was he, the voice mm-hmm. told Tom, Oh, I know what it was. What? I know what I was pissed about, but I'm, I'm very pissed about this. I'm okay. back. I'm okay. back.
1: Okay. He's back, baby.
2: Why the fuck is this here? they have killed human beings to keep this a secret. Why is this still an installation Tom, Tom, off the, the road in well, Washington And, and I mean, I
1: feel that is more further evidence that this was like two weeks ago or something. The mm. um, Tom should have stepped over a pile of dead bodies of people that like, they're, they pulled over their car to use the bathroom or something and then like, whoa, what's this? What? I, because I mean, you're saying like, if other people would have, could have seen this, they should have, they could have, Killed a bunch of people for knowing that it was there. Is that what you're saying? No, that's not what I was saying. I was saying,
2: throughout the course of this show, they have killed people for, you know, potentially knowing information about Tom and knowing information about this photograph. Yeah. This is the biggest piece of evidence that that, that has ever existed. Yeah. This is the second biggest piece of evidence, other than the negatives, that they staged a hanging.
1: Right. Well, what I'm saying is that, like, people people would have, if this has been here for two years, people would have stumbled across this. Absolutely. And then they would have killed those people. So there would have been a pile of dead bodies of people (laughs) that just happened to pull over. And then, you know, um, an anecdote that I wanted to share because I was talking about how, like, because there's footprints on the ground, I feel like this can't have happened long ago, which is an interesting
2: concept that does solve my frustration
1: about it. Sure. There was, I, we used to go on road trips a lot, like every, at least once a year we would go on some like, you know, weekend long road trip or longer. And there was one time that we went on a road trip, I think to Kentucky or something. And uh, this was before the days of GPS, but we looked up on online and we found there was a tourist attraction that was on the way to where we were going Mm -hmm. that was called, quote unquote, ghost town. Okay. And I love the idea of ghost towns. They don't really exist anymore, but I would love to go to a town where there are buildings and so on. And it's like, whoa, there used to be people here, but it's all abandoned. This was a tourist attraction though, where it was made to look like a wild west Ghost town. So they okay. had like, you know, all these buildings, there'd be like a fake jail and there'd be like a skeleton in the jail. The Renfest
2: basically for ghost town. Sure.
1: Sure. Uh, we got there and it was abandoned. <laughs> it had been abandoned for probably six months. It was all overgrown. The t- Like the the ticket booth so was... So it was a fake was ghost town. It was an abandoned ghost town. <laughs> it was fun. We got a bunch of pictures of being there, yeah. but I could tell... It hasn't been that long, and this place is all overgrown. If there were footprints, they're gone. We could tell how abandoned this was. Yeah. So, yeah, if this was a couple of years ago, this thing, there would be roots coming up out of the ground. There would not be footprints anywhere. A lot of this stuff would probably be vandalized. People would find it. The reason yeah. ghost towns don't exist anymore is people find them, and they make them known. They post about them on social media. I know this was 95, but it would it would not be in the
2: condition that it is in this episode. The other option, yeah. The other thing I was actually mad at when I was for, when he was first going in was he announced the voice announced through his robot eyes yeah, where, where he was Tom sending was Tom. Yeah. But if they wanted to get Tom, they would have gotten Tom. I'm not I'm not concerned about oh they would have destroyed it is what you're I'm saying. I'm saying they that it's weird that if this is real. Yeah. It's weird that it's still there. And that they knew Tom was going to go there. Tom had to steal a car or something. <laughs> or something, And yeah. they didn't have people in the area who could, like, stop Tom from getting in or take it down. At the very least,
1: put up a roadblock, you know, like the Adjustment Bureau. They've got some cops there. They're like, sorry, you know, there's a gas leak. And Tom you can't has get to fight here.
2: his way through or so. Sure. The, the, so the organ is – so this feels like a gaffe to me. Yeah. Except for that. Then when I got in there – when he gets in there, I was so mad. Mm-hmm. But your thing about the footprints is interesting. Yeah. That this looks fresh. Right. We don't know when... Oh, I've concocted a whole new theory in my head now. (sighs) Okay. Go for it. We don't know when the voice was captured by the organization. Okay. What if... Yeah. What happened in the jungle was real? Okay. And when when he goes to meet the military guy and the military guy says, The jungle yeah there was an organ there was, it was an operation that wouldn't happen in the jungle, yeah, they already had knowledge that Tom was working with the palm top guy with the voice at that time, sure, and that was a line that was a line that was something that the guy was told to say to Tom, yeah, and so this is staged maybe but they that they restaged it in d c to mess with his head. I don't know for what reason other than other yeah. than well, other than. I don't know what to drive him and I don't know. I'm trying, Maybe. trying to to find ways to... That's a possibility. And I figure Depending hear, on how much credit you want to give the writers. Well, and I'm just trying to give myself as many options as possible because you said the final episode is going to make me tear my hair out. Oh, so yes. I'm, yes, it I'm, will. I'm trying to give myself <laughs> options Not I'm not saying like the
1: climax of the show is going to make you tear your hair out, but like what leads into the finale, you're going to be like, no, <laughs> no, that did not happen. <laughs> That is not the case. Let's go back to another episode because this
2: this is crap. Ah, I can't wait. It sounds okay. it sounds fantastic. All right, as usual, I have not done the little bits of the show that we do. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I, I, again, I told you where I would want these the smartest thing for Tom. Yeah um is is I would love to have seen him stealing a car would have been interesting sure I will say the that I loved Bruce Greenwood's um acting scared when when his buddy died yeah, uh, yeah that,
1: that is my favorite part of the episode. The silliest moment's got to be the friggin' robot eyes. Come on. Sure,
2: and for me... Serves no purpose. Him, him taking a photograph inside, and he's a photographer, Sure, that, that obviously drove me okay. nuts. Okay,
1: see, I mean, that's like me complaining about the IV.
2: Yep, it is. There it you is, go. Right? Where it's just like, technically, that wouldn't be possible. You don't know <laughs> what you're doing. right?
1: I just saw a movie the other day where somebody uh, pulled out their IV and like put it to somebody's neck. <laughs> I got blood drawn the other day. We went to the I a yearly, you know, just a yearly checkup at the doctor. Mm-hmm. And like, you can bet I was like frozen in place because even though they only stick the needle in like, you know, a quarter of an inch or something, I don't want that needle anywhere in my arm. Like I do not want that stabbing into the muscle and whatever. And that's, what's going to happen if you have a needle in your arm. Yeah. Cause needles aren't meant to stay in your arm. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so where do you think the show's going from here? And I purposely I think I don't know if this was intended when I first came up with this segment, but I'm purposely not telling you what the next episode is until after
2: you say right that. and you and that's how we did it last week too. Yeah. Um, if the show acknowledges this in any way, yeah, this meaning the reveal, sure. Then the show would go into some sort of reflective mode. Okay, where he would retreat from. <laughs> Sorry, that'll be real funny that you use that word in just a moment. Go on. Great, um, where he would he would retreat to some place. Uh, I, I don't see him going into a hotbed of activity. Okay, because at this point he's got to figure out what he thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he would need to. He would need some sort of neutral ish. Ground. this is one of the times where he should be afraid if the organization finds him he needs a, he needs a moment of respite sure basically in D terms he needs to take a short rest and get okay. his spell slots back yeah i don't know that that will be what's, what what happens but like the man is going to need some rest after this so even if stuff is ridiculous and it doesn't acknowledge us i'm going to pretend like the reason he's there is to get okay to get some sort of it's a side quest to fill his meters back up that's what i'm going to treat what yeah. comes next as
1: okay I just think I laughed when he said uh, he has to be like reflective. Yes, I did. Say because that. the next episode is titled Doppelganger. <laughs> okay. Vale learns that someone in the town he is visiting shares his face and identity. Okay. Which sounds interesting, but I don't remember this episode. This
2: sounds familiar to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it will be, but that one sounds familiar to me. Actually, I don't know. Um, I will say. Having heard the description, mm-hmm. we know they have bone-shaping technology.
1: True. Also, we know that Allison was in their computer, but I th- they didn't really make a big deal of it, but like, he was looking up himself when he found Allison in the computer. Yep. I don't know if their intention was to make it seem like he was in the computer. I feel like a bigger deal would have been made if that was the case. Yeah. Or maybe, why would that matter to him? He has no reason to think that another him would be, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like that would have been an easy thing for him to gloss over when it's like, Whoa, Alison. Whoa, what, what, why is she in here? Right. Right. It would have been, because th- he, he bigger... has not encountered an, another one of him exactly. or someone that he might suspect is another one of him. Right. He,
2: but he you know. needs any opportunity to cling to the hope sure. of exonerating Allison, yeah. which he sort of alluded to in the opening monologue, which was, I have the struggle of to, to keep hope with myself. And, yeah. Um, so I I will say mm-hmm. um, I should bring something to break uh, because if the next episode does not have to do with the <laughs> bone morphing technology, I will need to break something likely. Okay. So I'll okay. just show up with like a can I need to crunch or something. I'll have an there, RC there Cola you. next time <laughs> okay. just so I can <laughs> – if we get to the end. I'll bring just an s- empty pane of glass and <laughs> you can throw something at it. Yeah. Um they're not good at acknowledging – an Inspector Gadget show where they mm-hmm. don't ever acknowledge that there are Inspector Gadget Gadgets yeah. is crazy. But that is what we are watching. Um, I will actually afford the possibility that there's a different way that there can be somebody who looks like Tom Vale. Oh, boy. Because I am sure yeah. that's what it's going to be and that it won't actually acknowledge the other episodes because these seem to be written in very much a vacuum from yeah, one another. probably. So that's where I think the show is going. Maybe I guess we'll find out. I,
1: I am genuinely interested to see what this episode is. Yeah. I, not only because the premise sounds interesting, but because like I don't remember this episode. There's one small snippet of like three episodes from now that it's like, maybe I do remember that, but I'm I don't remember the I don't remember the episode. I just remember part of the premise. Okay. And so, um, yeah, it's it's more a nowhere man. So I'll take it. I'll I'll sure. see see how I feel about it. Cool. All right. Well, I think that will do it for today. Another uh, nice short three-hour episode. Um, Yeah. Thank you for joining us and catch you next time.
2: See you guys. And before we actually stop recording yeah did you want to do your one sentence thing? we didn't do the one sentence uh oh shoot uh
1: steve what's what's your one sentence let me sorry let me put more energy in this um steve do you have a one sentence uh, uh pitch uh, uh elevator pitch for this episode do
2: you because no
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: tom tom gives us a bunch of exposition we yeah. desperately wanted and then nope uh Tom goes into the jungle and impersonates uh,
1: some army guys, or does he? I was going to say, or does he? Yes. Yeah. Pretty much, I think just, or does he, is the elevator pitch <laughs> really right is. there. Okay. All
2: right. Excellent.
1: To contact us, send us an email at NowhereMenPodcast at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at NowhereMenPod for updates. For more content created by Steve, go to bit.ly slash And if you want to hear me talk about tabletop role-playing games, check out my main podcast, Interparty Conflict, found wherever podcasts are sold. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe, and thanks for listening.